What's up, everyone? This is the Demo Team Podcast. We're here with Sergio Medina today. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? All right. Not too bad. Doing great. Doing great. Yeah, why don't you go ahead, Moses? Start us off. Well, I guess uh, to get into it, I guess kind of introduce yourself. You have a pretty impressive uh, resume, so I'm sure anybody listening to probably knows most of the projects you've been involved in, but um, shoot, yeah, let the people know. Well, I uh, I started with Stolas. Um, that was the first band that um, was on Blue Swan, and ever since then, every for the most part, everything I've done has been Blue Swan Records related. Uh, but yeah, too many bands. Stolas, Yanvar, Royal Coda, Idola, <laughs> Nova Charisma. What else is there? <laughs> what am I missing? <laughs> Did you did you say Royal Coda? Too many, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. too okay. many, too many. Too I mean, many but bad. that a lot of great like, names too. I must yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, that's always a struggle. The the name coming up with new names and especially it, I always try to one up the previous one. All right, uh, interesting. But uh, yeah, names are hard. And then I don't know when I ask my, my to my parents, it's all the same. And so, yeah. Which band name was like? the hardest to to think of or which one caused i guess maybe like the most uh, arguments about like no we want this band name. nova nova charisma all right which, which is a band i have with it's me and donnie it's a duo uh that one we took forever uh just uh, to lay it out we had all the music recorded all the song names for all the music recorded uh before we had an actual band name um so we that'll happen from time to time for sure yeah we did the whole recording and all the traveling and all of the of the of the actual work that goes into being in a band before we actually had a band name which i i thought was cool but we just we had so many arguments about it and um yeah we had all these different working titles at one point we even had a name we were gonna roll with but uh we ditched it uh so yeah names are hard uh and they shouldn't i don't know they shouldn't feel like they need that much weight they really don't the music should be there to speak for whatever band name for uh, sure like i think yeah, what's that, name? dave Grohl uh, from the foo fighters has talked about not liking that name before mm-hmm. um anyway but it kind of fits them too though but. yeah it does do well, you have a I was favorite say, it's kind of funny that um that it was Nova Charisma that caused like the so like so many arguments when it was it's just you and Donnie as opposed yeah. to like you know a five piece <laughs> yeah <laughs> or six I, I don't piece. I don't think I have a favorite um I think um yeah I don't think I have a favorite if anything I don't I just don't like band names <laughs> you don't like them. you just wanna no I just I I don't know. It's the, I feel like it's the least important part of the band. I feel like it's the music that really really matters, and uh, and the name is just there. It's kind of I don't know. It's like the door to a, to a business. Yeah, that's true. But it almost feels like some yeah, of them, it, they feel like they kind of fit your sound too, though. A lot of the times. So I mean, versus like yeah. if you went like with another name, it might not fit as well. But yeah, well, for names example, are just names. Yeah, they're just names. I used to not like the name Stolas. I was originally going to name uh, Stolas Cianvar uh, because the name Cianvar comes from 
an old high school band of mine uh, where the three of us, it was a three piece and the three of us had like our own kind of like how the Ramones were all, they all changed their last names to Ramones for the band. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our own nicknames and uh, our bass player's nickname was Sunbows. Our drummers was Mordecai. And then they gave me the name Cianbar after they, the bass player was trying to text me with an old flip phone using T9 and T9 spit out Cianavar with an A in the middle. And it was really weird, but the word looked cool to him. And so he's like, you should, that should be yours. That, that's your nickname uh, for the band. What was and, he trying to text you? Uh, he was trying to tell me that he was going to stop at a 7-Eleven to buy a monster <laughs> uh, energy drink. And then he would head over because we used to have band practice at my, at my garage. All right. And, and so he was trying to text the word monster energy drink and T9 spit out Cianavar with an A in the middle. Wow. And, yeah. And the drummer was like, just take that, take out that A and, and that's your nickname. And so not too long after that, that band broke up and we started Stolas, but same thing. Uh, we didn't have a name for a long time. Uh, and for some reason, those guys didn't like uh, the name Cianvar. And so, yeah, I just, uh, we named it Stolas after looking at Wikipedia and coming up with, uh, or it was the, the owl from that old, I forget what it's called. But it's from a book some dude wrote with a bunch of fake demons in it. And uh, Stolas was one of them, and we chose that. And then eventually changed it uh, because our first record was really underwater. The art, art was all underwater theme and yeah. ocean theme. And they uh, Somebody mentioned that Stolas was also Sail the Ocean, Live at Sea. I forget who told us that, and, we're, and so we adopted that as uh as more of the name kind of but not really it was just kind of a joke uh but now we have a podcast called sail the ocean live at sea um so yeah yeah names kind of evolve and now for me at least sail the ocean live at sea is more of the name for stolas than that whatever owl demon thing that was yeah Yeah. but Um, sorry that was a whole rant no, that's cool. No, that's, we'll yeah. talk about your uh, podcast Rant? a little Wait. later, but I guess let's get into, I guess, your background some more. Oh, yeah, do you want to take it away? Before, yeah, take us before uh, Stolas. Like, I think you had a, a band before that, or like you mentioned, you had your high school band, but I guess what kind of got you into music? Like, what made you want to play guitar? What were you listening to? Like, I guess in maybe like those teenage years where you're kind of figuring out, like, Hey, I, I think I want to be a musician. Um, well, I actually was talking about this last night um, with a friend of mine because he asked me the same thing. Um, what makes you want to start playing music? And the it's a simple answer, and it's kind of weird, but I'm sure this happened to a lot of kids. When I was 10 years old, my dad took me to go see School of Rock, uh, <laughs> that old Jack Black movie. Yeah. Which is a kid's movie. But at the time, I was like, whoa, I want to do that. And as we were leaving the movie theater, I asked my dad if... Uh, my dad's a huge classic rock fan. He's a music fan in general, but classic rock, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, uh, like all those 70s, 60s, The Beatles, Pink Floyd, all these different bands. He'd always play for me. And, uh, and 
it just kind of clicked one day. I was like, hey, uh, I, I, it'd be cool to get guitar lessons. After It was after we were leaving School of Rock. And the very next day, uh, he had called. Um, there's a music store here in town called Sam Ash. And it used to be called Mars oh, yeah. Music. Uh, and they used to give guitar lessons there. And the very next day, he had called, and, and I started guitar lessons. And from there, I just did music. From there, I, I went to middle school. I would have been, what, I was in fifth grade when that movie came, came out? Fourth grade? Um, I was 10 years old. And I started getting guitar lessons with this guy named James, who, same thing, big classic rock fan, um, started learning ACDC songs, Metallica songs. I think the very first song I learned on guitar was um, was a Metallica song. Um, and yeah, just started from there. And so I went to middle school for orchestra, weirdly enough, even though I, I would always get in trouble for holding my violin like a guitar and plucking it. Um, I'd have to put it away sometimes because I'd sit there trying to... I wanted to play guitar, but I was playing violin. And then so when I went to high school... I went for classical guitar um, and just did music from the time that I started middle school going into high school. All right. And and that's the background, really, just having to learn classical guitar pieces and um, jazz studies for for my old high school guitar class. Okay, and you were born in El Paso, right? Yeah, yeah. So how early on did you uh, get into, like, at the drive-in and Mars Volta, because I'm sure that's kind of big for for anybody growing up there. Like, we have like one of the like or two of the sickest like post-hardcore bands that really shaped the genre. Come from like our our town in Texas. Yeah. Are you from El Paso? No, no, I'm actually not. I'm from California. But oh, right, right. Like, I I just like I remember when at when I first started at the drive-in, I was kind of blown away and. Like, I'm always really interested into, like, people's, like, local scenes because, you know, San Jose had, like, a pretty big scene and we're close to San Francisco and L.A., so mm-hmm. there's always live music, you know? Yeah. Well, I uh, I actually didn't get into Mars Volta or at the drive-in until high school, even though when I was little, um, my friend, my sister was dating a... a was dating this dude who we'd go over to his house and hang out at. And, uh, he had an, at the drive-in, uh, relationship of command. Uh, they had a little mini documentary that came with the CD. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a little DVD that you would play and it would show them driving up to Indigo ranch in Malibu to record, uh, with Ross Robinson. And that was, not too long after at the drive and broke up, I was little. I don't even think I was a guitar player yet. I, I don't think I even uh, had picked up a guitar when he first showed me this. But I remember being a little kid, and he's like, "Dude, you gotta check out this band." Weirdly, he was telling a little kid uh, to to check out um, at the drive and and he said, "Yeah, this band just broke up, uh, and they're starting a new band uh, called Mars Volta." But uh, yeah, this, he was more into at the drive and. Um, and I'm sure it eventually became a Mars Volta fan, but I was young and, but I didn't pay attention. He showed me them. I remember that vividly being introduced to at the drive-in early, early on, but not caring about it until I was in high school and, and I was more of a, I was already playing guitar and, um, just 
being like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, these guys are from El Paso. And uh, yeah, that. Um, but yeah, so I was introduced to at the drive-in slash Mars Volta really early, but I didn't care about them until I was in high school. Yeah, I, I remember discovering them. And like you said, within a couple of months of, of like finding out who they were, they broke up and I remember hearing Sparta before uh, um, before Mars Volta, and I, I think that was like the other guitar player, not uh, yeah, Jim Moore, but yeah, but the other dude, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's funny hearing. I've heard other people, I've heard people in the industry who were around at that time, because uh, when they when at the drive-in broke up, there was like a like a I don't want to say bidding war. I don't want to miss. Uh, represent what actually happened but i've had I, I heard stories that when that band broke up it was kind of like a like an arms race between the two groups of people of whose band's gonna start and blow up first was it which was it was it sparta or was it going to be mars volta um and which, that doesn't surprise me at all <laughs> um yeah like i felt like it, it was also similar with uh blink 182 when they you know boxcar and well, no, no, that was after. Oh, no, was... I think that was before. It was when uh, Plus 44 and Angels and Airwaves came out. Yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I heard somebody tell me a story that um, when At The Drive-In broke up, uh, and this could be wrong, so I just want to put that out there. I, I don't know how to verify these stories I, unless I actually knew Omar and Cedric, which I don't know. I don't know them personally. Um but somebody said that right after at the drive-in broke up, somebody from a major label called them and said, I don't know what you guys are working on, but whatever you guys are going to do, I want to back and I will back it. Something along those lines. And like I said, that could not be true. Um, but if it was true, I, to me, that would make sense. Those guys were had done something really, really good and then just broke up at the height of their success. And... uh of course, to me, it seems natural that somebody in the industry would want to try to capitalize on what they had coming next. Yeah. So did you go to um, any like uh, shows like maybe in your high school years or like what were some of the first bands that, that you saw live? And yeah, I guess like what kind of got you into this like underground scene of music? Well, what's interesting is that I started playing music but i i know that i started playing music but didn't know that i wanted to play shows until i saw my first show uh my freshman year of high school um i went and saw a local band show uh and i saw my friend and they're still good friends of mine they're from here in town they were in a band called oranges that was on blue swan for a little yeah, bit great that. band yeah um, great they were sure. they were in a band called the uh, killer and denial in high school and i they invited me to a show and i was a freshman and i was a young freshman because i i got into school um i was i made the cutoff so but i was 13 when i started high school when most people start high school when they're 14 i think at least here in town um and so i was a little 13 year old kid and i went to a show that my friends people that i just met invited me to and Watching them play the show, I was like, oh, shit, I want to play a show. I want to do this. And uh, so it was them. Weirdly enough, it was my friend's high school band that uh, 
made me go, I, I want to start playing shows. I want to do this. And, um, yeah, it wasn't like a, but, but soon after that, like I saw our expandits here in Vegas, it was, uh, KK and his weather underground, uh, Portugal, the man and our expandits not too long after that show where I was like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to tour. I want to, I want to go out and play shows. Dude, and that must have been an amazing show because both uh, our expandits and Portugal the Man put on a hell of a live show. Yeah, especially back then. I mean, they still do. When the last show I actually saw before um, all this shit went down with the pandemic was our expandits at uh, the Anaheim House of Blues, um, and yeah, they still they're still great. Um, but yeah, it was early on. I saw. Uh, well, who else did I see early on that I was like, man, I want to, I want to do this. Um, I saw Rx Bandits a bunch. They're like the band I have, I've seen more times than outside of bands I've toured with. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I've seen Dance Gavin dance at least 150 times, probably. <laughs> um, just because I've toured with them. Same with Hail the Sun. Same with uh, Let Live. Any band I've toured with for more than a month, uh, I've seen more. But RX Bandits, I've never toured with. I've only ever been able to go to their shows. And they're the band I've seen most at 22 times. I've seen them 22 times. Wow, that's, uh, that's impressive. Just <laughs> traveling around. Yeah, I followed them around, too, at one point. Because, um, yeah, they're, they're one of my favorite bands. And I think it's because I caught them early. I was young when I first saw them. And they just kind of stuck with me. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember um, listening to them, like, early on, and, you know, like, I really liked them. They were on drive-thru records. I saw them on, like, one of those drive-thru tours, but for some reason, I like, they didn't stick to me in that way. Like, I, you know, I always uh, enjoyed them, and then, um, you know, like, they did uh, The Sound of Animals Fighting after, which was pretty cool, and, um, yeah. like, Matt... I think it was Matt that had a side project called Pebaluna that yeah yeah a couple times yeah um so that's he really has, cool like I've, I don't me think me and LP and Love You Moon he's got a couple side projects yeah yeah uh, I was I was gonna say I don't think I've met anybody that loves them that much enough to see them that many times so that's pretty awesome yeah me same with, Car- same with Carlo from uh, he plays drums in Nova now but uh, Carlo from Stolas he He's a huge Rx Bandits fan. I think that might actually be his favorite band. And, uh, yeah, we both have seen them. I think he's seen them, like, anywhere from 16 to probably more, actually, because he first saw them in, like, 2001, 2002, really, really early on. Uh, But, um, but yeah, and, uh, yeah, I'm the same way with uh, um, different projects that have the same people. Uh, for example, I love the Sound of Animals fighting, but I can't, for some reason, have never been able to quite get into Circus Survive or um, or Seosin. Yeah, uh, I respect what they do musically for sure, and uh, and I know they've done a lot of great great stuff, but for some reason, it doesn't like grab my attention or really speak to me as much as um, Sound of Animals fighting does for some reason. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's really weird how that happens. But. Yeah, especially how, you know, everyone says, you know, the similarities with Donovan and, you know, Seosin's vocalist, 
Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, yeah. Hey, Ryan, do uh, you have any comment on that? Um, speaking of, like, last show memories, I think the last show I went to before this all, like, kicked off was uh, I got to see you and Donovan play with the Fall of Troy at uh, 1720 in Los Angeles. <laughs> so thank you for being, like, my last good show memory, my bro. <laughs> yeah, I stopped the show on that one because I got kicked out by security. Dude! I have never seen Donovan so angry in my life. Like I saw that happen. I was like, wait, what? But yeah. it was so crazy. Like, how did that even happen? Uh, so <laughs> a buddy of ours, um, well, more a buddy of Donnie's, but he, ma- he managed CM bar at one point. He was, he was a band manager for a little bit and he managed CM bar. He owns that venue. And, uh, so, uh, we're there and, um, the people are crowd surfing and the security guy that's up front isn't catching like when you go to shows and people crowd surf the security is briefed at the at the barricade that they're going to have to push or catch people like that's just standard it, as at, at least to me I've toured for the last almost 10 years now and whenever there's a show and there's a barricade security is there to catch people I've actually had to catch people I've toured with DGD as their tech where I'm the one that has to push back kids from falling on pedal boards. And uh, it's a job I don't like doing, but it's a job that is for keeping people safe and not falling and hitting their heads. And this security guard at 1720, uh, right, that's the venue name? Um, Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't catching kids. And all right, that's fine, but kids would fall. It's not fine. It's, but... He, it, what made it worse is that people would fall, and then he would laugh and point at them and like and 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 ridicule them for for like he was. was one kid fell really hard, and he and I and he just mouthed. I could I couldn't hear him, but I I watched him mouth. That's what he gets. That's what he fucking gets. And we were me and Joe who plays keys in uh in in Nova. Uh, we were both like, dude, we got to start catching these kids. One kid left with, uh, I have pictures of like kids that were outside bleeding from their faces. And um, I remember <laughs> Corey Lockwood from, uh, he was in Birds, but he was there that night playing with Sufferer, told me that he was in the bathroom at one point and some kid walked in and he just had blood all over his face. And uh, he was like, what the fuck is going on out there? Uh, but so... Basically, long story short, kids were falling from the barricade because they were crowd surfing and they weren't being caught. And so me and Joe were like, well, we got to start catching these kids. But before we jumped down, which we were going to do, we were going to just jump down there and, and, and start pushing and, and catching kids ourselves. Um, I, The security guard that was making fun of these kids uh, got near me and I grabbed him. I put my arm around him to get close to his ear to just start telling him, and there's video of this, of me doing this. I put my arm around his head and I go, you got to start catching these kids. You got to start catching these kids. They're getting hurt. And he, but because I was so worked up and even though I wasn't telling him to fuck off or anything, I wasn't saying anything angry. It just was delivered like I was angry. And so he got on stage thinking that, he needed to kick me out for being belligerent or whatever. And I refused because I didn't actually do anything wrong. I was just trying to tell him to start catching kids and everybody had my back. 
And so it was me against this giant security guard. Uh, and uh, yeah, just kind of a, a fight almost ensued, but thank, thankfully it didn't. Um, he kept trying to, he was like holding me by the neck. Uh, he wasn't choking me, but he was holding me pretty aggressively by the neck to try to get me to leave. He was trying to get me to leave by grabbing my neck and pushing me out. Um, and I had Donnie, Carlo, Eric, Joe, uh, and several other people that were just trying to back me up. And uh, that's when Fall of Troy stopped because Andrew looked over and he walks up t- during his set and he's like, what's going on? <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, and then they all stopped and they all followed me outside because um, even and I had this conversation with Thomas and their ba- their new play new bass player Henry afterwards, but they could see uh, while they were playing they were both distracted with the fact that these kids were falling and they weren't being caught. And um, so yeah, there's if anybody listening wants to, just they just have to type in Fall of Troy seventeen twenty December of twenty nineteen into YouTube and they can see the whole video. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then they let me back in cause the owner of the venue, he's cool with us. And he, and he saw it all go down on the cameras and was like, Hey, yeah, that was fucked up. I'm sorry that happened. And he let me back in and I was able to play with uh, Troy. I, I made it in time to, to, to make it back in and play. He just, uh, he wasn't really doing his job and, um, it's terrible afterwards cause we were, we stayed late after the show and there was just blood all over the barricade and, Jesus. Um, yeah, it was it was fucked up. Um, and they did it. This all happened during mouth like Sidewinder missiles. It was like yeah. right but when he was <laughs> solo, and then like the whole show cuts out, and it's just like for the crowd, it's confusing because I was in the back, and I was just like, one minute I see Sergio, he's out in the front, and then like the, he goes back, and then the band just stops playing, and like everyone just walks off stage, and it's just like, whoa, what the hell? Like yeah. it was hella confusing. Like yeah, they carried me out towards the end and they kicked me out it was two security guards that that finally were able to get me out uh even though they had all these people telling him to to leave me alone and that's uh, the homie right there dude get your hands off (laughs) andrew came out and he's like dude what do we do and i was just like just make sure no one crowd serves because no one's gonna (laughs) catch them and uh yeah you got a big heart man you got your heart on your sleeve you're just worried about the kids yeah well dude it was so brutal like there's, yeah. I have, oh, uh, yeah. There's, I have a video of this kid just falling and just fucking, uh, he just his body's all twisted up and he's like, he got hurt. And some of these kids got really fucking hurt, cause that's a that's like a six foot seven foot drop if you're falling from the top of arms that are holding you up, on concrete. And, yeah, on concrete. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And also, I kept in mind like I don't know how much of a, a lawsuit could have actually ensued if it's of your own volition to crowd surf. But like if someone dies at your venue or gets like seriously injured or paralyzed or something like that, uh, that's not a good look on a venue. Um, especially at that time, that was a new venue. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was going to say like, and they've also had a lot of like, like heavy bands, you know, bands that would have crowd surfing play there. I know when it first started out, it was more of like a, like the ham on everything shows would happen there or like they would have a lot of like soundcloud you know emo rappers so like you know the crowd for those shows are definitely a lot more mellow than i guess the full of troy or you know like heavier bands yeah 
Yeah, I don't know what security that night was expecting, but but yeah, yeah, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I guess we can kind of uh, move forward and um, how how did uh Stolis, you know, get started? Like, how'd you guys all meet up? Did that happen in Nevada? Uh, tell us a little about uh, you know, being one of the first bands or the first band on a uh, Blue Swan. Well, if um. Episode two of the Stolas podcast isn't out yet, but we do go into more detail. Uh, so I'll give kind of like the Cliff Notes version because there is yeah. like an hour worth, an hour's two, it'll be two hours worth of like how we really got started and how we met Will. But um, yeah, we met in here in Nevada. Uh, Jason and Carlo are from Kingman, Arizona, and which is a small town. I think the population, I think there is like 21,000. Uh, could be more. Uh, it's it, it's a it's a small city in Arizona, and uh, and they moved to Vegas to pursue music, and eventually uh, our bands were playing shows together. I was in a band in high school called Inherit the Sky that uh, would play shows with their old band called the Akashic Record, and I remember watching the Akashic Record, thinking like, "Whoa, this I love their drummer." And, um, Jason had this uh, cool scream to him that I liked, and uh, and I liked what they were doing. And it was very uh, that band had I don't know if you guys know a band called Dredge. They're actually from San Jose, um, but uh, you know I do. <laughs> yeah, wow. I love I love Dredge. But they had they had some songs that reminded me of Dredge, and I was like, and I was huge. I'm still into Dredge, but at that point I had just discovered them and I had just seen them live with. Uh, with Arx Bandits, and I was like, dude, I want this kind of sound. They're doing, like, the tremolo guitar. I want that. And so I asked Jason and Carlo, I asked Jason if he wanted to jam over MySpace, and we talked a little bit, but it took him, it took us three years to actually jam. Uh, we, we, I first messaged him, like, 2008, and we didn't have our first jam session until 2011. Um, and so... Yeah, it took a while, but we finally met up, and at our first practice, we wrote uh, our very first song, which uh, more or less stayed exactly the way it was, uh, and that first song is called Time in the Sun, which is off our first record, Living Creatures, and we just kept meeting up, and we wrote five songs in our first five practices, I think, and uh, that's what became uh, our Losing Wings EP, which... I lost the digital files up. I have the CD, but I don't have a CD player anymore, so I haven't listened to it. But this morning I woke up to a Dropbox link from somebody who had heard the podcast, and they were like, hey, I have these files if you want them. And I heard what they sounded like for the first time in years. Um, but yeah, there, we made the Losing Wings EP, and uh, that came out in February 2012. And by November of 2012, I was filling in for Hail the Sun uh, on a Dance Gavin dance tour, and that's how I met Will. Um, and he was telling me that he wanted to start a label, and uh, he um, he just and he had he had, he had worked with bands in the past. Uh, but they just didn't work out. They'd break up or something. I think he just worked with one band that just didn't make it. Um, and like they, they, they couldn't stay together. And, uh, he met me, I showed him the losing wings EP 
And uh, he's like, this is dope. We should re-record these songs plus another four or five and make a record. And uh, you guys can be the first. This is a long, long story short. But, uh, yeah, that's how uh, we were the first band on Blue Swan. Okay, and uh, you work for, for Blue Swan, and you guys just kind of partnered up with Rise Records. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank and- you. Uh, what 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 does that mean for Blue Swan? Um, well, uh, yeah, it's hard to talk about this right now because it's so new. Yeah, um, it's it, basically what it means is we have another, we have more resources available, um, and that's a huge part about running an independent label. That's really difficult. Is that uh, there's only so much you have to work with. You only have so much, so many connections. You only have so many, uh, so much money to put behind a, a record. Um, and with working with Rise BMG, uh, BMG being a major label conglomerate, uh, and Rise being uh, kind of, th- th- there are like connection so hard to describe it's so confusing that, that, that makes sense they're, they're <laughs> the, almost like the middleman to bmg yeah exactly but we're working directly with rise it's uh, rise is the um what would you call it um like the buffer middleman um i wouldn't necessarily describe it as that because the image is rise the the, the image this is the team between blue swan and rise with bmg uh, as the the parent company of everything, like a subsidiary. Yeah, yeah, but um, le- I think legally it's strate- it's strategic alliance. Um, but yeah, there's so much jargon that I like. I even even Will Will and I would have these conversations. We'd call each other. We'd have phone calls where he's like, "Yeah, so much of this is just legal jargon. I don't even know what it means." Um, and uh, yeah, but it's a it's a partnership, and we just have more resources. For example, like uh, one thing that I'm grateful for Blue Swan is I uh, I had to learn how to use Photoshop to make our our graphics. Like whenever we had a sale, even though I started out, I I cringe when I look back at some of our earlier graphics because I was barely learning Photoshop. Um, now, for example, like if I need a graphic done, uh, they have an art department, and they have people that. Uh, whose job it is is just to create these graphics for social media and whatnot. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's one example of like having more resources. Is there's more of a team. There's more people involved who can help push the record, and it's not just Will and I anymore uh, trying to uh, push the record with... Uh, while Will for sure has um, a, a large enough platform to adequately push a record... Now we have even more of a wheelhouse to work with uh, between Rise and their uh, platform with BMG. Uh, just more resources, like I said, more people that uh, are on the team that can help um, make things happen that we didn't have before. Because before it was just me and Will. Um, and, and and you guys are catching me at a strange time because it, it we're only like two weeks in. And so... Um, I haven't experienced, we haven't experienced the full scope of what this partnership is going to be like. 
Um, but before it was just me and Will um, just bouncing ideas back and forth um, and just trying to do that, things that way. And uh, it, was, it was a stressful time for a long time. For sure. And um, getting back to the music, like, like you mentioned, you have uh, your Stolas podcast that, that's out. So we will try not to dwell too much on, on Stolas. Uh, but like one of the questions that I have is that your guys' songs are, are pretty long. Like, you know, you have like six minute songs and you could say, I guess, the same about like band, like bands like Royal Coda and CN Bar. Um, is that kind of, but is it kind of hard to write? Um songs that long are you thinking about like people's like attention spans like one one thing i will say about like stolas um you know you have songs like catalyst and pace setters or pace setter where it almost feels like there's like a reward at the end like there's a big payoff um which kind of makes like longer songs uh more enjoyable um because like you know there's almost like different scenes or there's that last chorus that that really kind of creates a big moment um yeah so my i guess my question was is it hard to like write stuff like that um no I, that's interesting I, I i haven't thought about that in a really long time uh about length of our songs because ne- uh, lately whenever we write songs um we'll write the song and time it on our phone like we just wrote the new row coda record and as long as we hit three and a half four minutes we're usually pretty content we usually go all right we don't need to keep going um i think around the time we were doing stolas um we i don't know it just kind of came naturally that it'd be like we wouldn't stop a song until it felt done and sometimes that meant not going going to like six minutes or i i don't know what the longest stolas song is i think it's uh might be even seven minutes i'm trying to look right now i think it's six minutes anywhere between six and seven minutes yeah um i don't know we just kind of it just didn't feel done and yeah one thing that uh we knew about ourselves is that yeah we would always write uh big outros all of our songs had to end with some sort of like all right it's gonna get big at the end we're gonna do this at the end and like there were even times where uh, working with Stolas, even RJ mentioned that how, yeah, we always do that. We always um, end a song big. That's our that's our thing. We always have to. Uh, a payoff is a good word for it, but yeah, we. Um, I don't know. It just kind of came naturally that we'd write a song, and it was kind of like this journey. And at the end of the journey, it's like the end of an act. Uh, they're like the end of a, a movie, and movies are usually structured around three acts. Three acts, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and yeah, like if you listen to Stola songs specifically, our first record, um, it it it's like they're they're laid out in acts rather than verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Um, it's more like part A, part B, and part C. Um, and that's not typically how I write anymore. Um, for some reason, it's just kind of the natural evolution of of where i'm at now but uh yeah i don't think it was super intentional we just that just was how we wrote and that's how we 
uh, were stimulated by what we were writing was that we'd have a part and then that part would never come back. We'd just go on to the next part and the next part and the next part and then the song would be done. Um, right on. And um, I guess like you're like between all your different projects, there's been like somewhat of an overlap, right? Um, like oh, CN Bar started before um, before Stolas broke up and after Sanvar called hiatus, like you guys started doing Nova Charisma like right away, right? And Real Coda was kind of happening at the same time. Is it, um, do you feel like you have to compartmentalize like the stuff that you write and say like, hey, all right, well, this is for this project and this one's for that kind of project? Um, hmm. That's a tough question because yeah. of how everything goes down and how everything has gone down between some of these projects that, um, yeah, I don't know for uh, Nova is different because we write with Carlo. And, uh, so anything that me and Carlo write instrumentally will go to Nova. Like, all right, it's, if, it's, if I'm writing with me and Carlo, that's, that's what that's going to go for. Um, and Royal Coda, uh, the way we write now, it just it depends on who I'm in the room with. So, for example, we spent all of September writing a new Royal Coda record and then all of October recording it with Crummit. Um, and so everything we wrote in that room in September was going to be Royal Coda, and none of it was going to leave that, that band. Um, and I specifically wrote... So we wrote a Nova Charisma record last may that we've just been sitting on we have demos of for 10 songs from last may but i didn't finish those demos until august of last year because it just took me a while and i specifically made note that i had to finish the nova demos before i went to Royal Coda so that there wasn't any creative overlap mm-hmm. um which was pretty tough because i felt like i really poured myself into the nova stuff in creating of those demos. And then I went to Ro Coda feeling like the first couple days I was, I was pouring from an empty cup. And then I got into the groove of working with Joe. Uh, and it's interesting to think because we wrote like two or three songs that, uh, at the beginning of those Ro Coda sessions and that we scrapped because we thought we wrote, we, I think we wrote like 16 songs and we only, we only kept 11. And, the 11 that we kept came from the later batch of songs we wrote. The first couple songs we wrote, were, I think we're just kind of clearing the air and uh, pushing past the ideas that we weren't going to keep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's how we compartmentalize it. It's how, it's how, uh, it's who we're writing with in what room. If I'm in a room with Carlo and, and Donnie, I'm writing for Nova and that is just going to stay there. Um, and if they don't like something that, uh, I wrote in the Nova room, then I'll try to take it to Royal and sometimes it'll work there. Um, and sometimes it doesn't. For example, uh, there's a song called virtual vein off of the first Yanvar EP that I first pitched to Stolas. that riff that, um, more or less, uh, a, like a, a third of the song I had done and I pitched it to, uh, stole us and and they just didn't vibe with it. It, it just didn't work. But then when I, when I was playing it with Joe, it worked. And so 
we used it for CM for. Same thing with the uh, Omniphobia. There's a the song off of uh, Stay Lost. Yeah. I, that first riff, no, the first two riffs I had for Stolas, and uh, yeah, just something about it just wasn't working. And I went when I went to write with CMVAR, I played it there, and Joe was like, "This is dope," and and so we built uh, the song around those riffs. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, um, yeah, it just depends on which room I'm in. And yeah, yeah, who you're who writing with. with. Yeah. yeah. Um, when it comes to Nova Charisma, um. Is the writing process a little different um, with that? I feel like you guys are really kind of pushing yourselves as writers and almost drawing inspiration from outer sources. Like, you have songs like um, Hurt the Worst and Boomerang that kind of have these, like, I don't know, poppy, dancey courses. And misleading the story, there's, like, so many little details and layers that make that song so great yeah well my my intention with uh nova was that i didn't want to do cmvar 2.0 because um, cmvar uh had its own thing going and it, it just imploded and uh when me and donnie went to go do nova um i was just like all right on the condition that we're not going to just write music that would have been cmvar sounding um which, of course, I know naturally it's going to have a tint of it because it's me and it's Donnie. And we were, I mean, everybody in CMVAR played a huge role in it, but we, of course, have our own sound uh, that will naturally sound like our other bands. Like, I, I know even, like, I just always think back to my parents how they can't tell the difference between the Hail the Sun song, a Stolas, or yeah, it's even Stolas, but more specifically, they can't tell the difference between Nova and CMVAR. If they, if one of them comes on, my parents is like, "What? What? I don't even know what band this is." Uh, Other but, than having um, Donnie on the songs, I feel like they're so different to me. Well, I, I love both projects. I, I think it, my parents aren't the uh, model example for the average listener of this community exactly of bands, yeah they're not consuming but, it like like i am and they're not yeah really dissecting so, everything. but my going back to my main point was that i just wanted to not make a cm bar 2.0 and donnie brought up uh, a band called head automatica which is glass draw singer daryl palumbo's uh other project and those two projects are really different uh head Both automatica great bands. <laughs> yeah glass draw is a great band and they're heavy they're visceral and, 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 and thrashy and, and loud and head automatica is this poppy, more poppy kind of rock alternative. Uh, I don't know if alternative is a good one, but they're, they're vastly different. Um, and that's what we were going for. And I think in some ways we nailed it. And in some ways we didn't. Um, and I, I think that's just the creative difference I have with, uh, with Donnie in this aspect, for example, like, we went to go record our first EP with Brian McTurnan, uh, who's worked on a lot of really good records, and he really pushed us. I think if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have a Nova sound. I think we were really lost when we first started Nova. Um, I think we, we, we were clashing, and I wanted to do something 
more poppy and and even indie like i had that song um hurt the worst off of exposition three uh from like two years ago that whole song was was more or less complete uh demo that i had done a long time ago oh wow uh, as my attempt to do something kind of indie dream poppy ish uh with using synths and and different instruments that weren't just guitar bass and drums and uh yeah i felt like um i don't know um that's kind of more of the 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 musical uh territory that i wanted to explore for all of it and uh and yeah i think we kind of met a good middle ground because nova is still kind of more of a rock band but um my intention with it at first was all right we're not going to do cmvr 2.0 um we can be loud sure but i want to be more melodic and more um groove and more kind of laid back and uh uh it's not really entirely what donnie wanted to do um so we both have to make um we both have to concede a little bit when it comes to certain things uh when we're doing nova stuff um because you you let donnie know that hurt the worst is my favorite uh nova song dude a lot of people have told me that (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people have told me that but i also understand that there's a huge risk in in uh doing a whole record that's just music with that vibe i i don't think it would uh uh go over very very well if if nova charisma wrote a 10 song record where all the songs were that laid back um even though that's something i would love to do um uh, but who knows? I, I don't know if, uh, if uh, I, I don't know. I know we have a whole record written. Um, in the last couple of days, we've been in a group chat talking about who we want to go with to record it. But, um, yeah, some of the, some of the demos are really, uh, man, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, but it, some of it is, is heavy. There's parts of the new record that are, that are heavy and loud and, and some of them that are more chill, but for the most part, I feel like it's, um, I feel like it's going to be a whole record that has an exposition one feel to it. Okay. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, I guess can you uh, take us back and tell us a little about how uh, CN Bar started? I know we're kind of jumping towards or jumping around like the time. No, no worries. But... <laughs> um, yeah. Um, man. Uh, I deleted the screenshot once because I posted it, and I and John Mess actually made fun of me for it, it just because I I was <laughs> I'm always the young. I'm 27, and all those dudes are like in their mid 30s now. But when I first met Will, he was 20, 28, I think, and I was 19. But yeah, early I was I was a kid. I mean, I still feel like a kid, but even more, I was a, a fucking I don't know, uh, more of a kid. But I posted a screenshot because one day Will texted me saying hey me you awesome bass player awesome drummer awesome singer let's start a band and uh and so i hit up joe and joe asked butter from because uh who used to play bass for a lot like birds and uh and will at that time i think uh i don't know who we pitched for singer but we ended up asking donnie um 
we originally wanted Chris from I the Mighty to play bass, um, but he he turned it down. He said he couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, um, that's a shame. It was April of 2013. It was right after we um, had dropped Living Creatures. And the interesting thing is that in January of 2013, while we're recording Living Creatures, uh, Joe and Butter would come over at night just to jam because we at that studio, Pus Cavern, we could be loud as, as loud as we wanted 24-7. And so... They had come over late at night and we started jamming and we actually wrote a little bit of virtual vein around that time, uh, which is the song of the CM Bar EP. And so that was the first song we worked with. And so when, when Will texted me in April asking me about starting a band, um, I pitched Joe and uh, um, Butter because we had already worked on stuff and and yeah, I forget how Donnie came into the equation. I think we just we all met up at Will's house one day and just started talking about it and and we just did it. Um but it was April of 2013 that we started writing and um yeah, we wrote really really fast. We wrote that whole EP in like a week, less than a week. And by the end of the week Will was like, "Let's go record these songs and so we recorded them. Uh, recording took a little bit longer. Um, we recorded it between June, no, May. Forget when. But between like the middle of 2013 until December 2013, literally like right before we had to release it, um, we were finishing up that EP. And uh, yeah, it was just, it really sprung from that will that text from will it was him taking that initiative of like hey we should start a band and me going all right let's actually do it though because i i want to do it and uh yeah that's that's how cmvor got started it was, it was text from will all right um so i know you guys you know went on a hiatus in the middle of i guess recording your the second full length um Man, is there, like, you know, we don't have to get into, like, any drama, but is there anything <laughs> you can tell us, any details you can tell us about that lost album? Like, are we ever going to be able to hear anything from it, or... Yeah, it's out. It's just out as a Royal Coda record, and it's out as three Dance Gavin Dance songs. No, two. Okay, um, so Prisoner, I'm guessing, is... Yeah, uh, Prisoner, uh, we wrote... So... Royal Coda's Compassion was going to be the CMVR record. But the way we used to write, and by the time we were writing, by, when we wrote Stay Lost, we wrote it all in a room together. Um, at first, it was just the four of us because we didn't have a bass player. And then Mikey came in about five five songs in. By the time we went to go do CMVR LP2, the only the only people that were in that room were me, Joe, and Will. Mikey was busy working on, uh, and he told us, it's not like he chose this over, um, over doing CMVAR. It's not, I'm not trying to bash him, uh, for choosing something else. He had just already had prior obligations to work with, uh, a producer and his girlfriend, uh, Amber De, De La Rosa. Um, and so he didn't have time to write with us and go and work with her and produce. So we we're like, that's fine. You'll, you you can just write bass later. 
which is totally normal. Um, and uh, I think Donnie was there one of the days. But we wrote the we write fast, so we wrote those songs in we wrote ten songs in two weeks, and we just uh, yeah we it was me, Will, and Joe for the most part, and we just thought okay, well, let's just write these songs, and um, and and then Mikey can play bass over them later, um, but then we wrote the songs, and then we. Uh, we parted ways with Mikey at the end of those writing sessions because, uh, one, he wasn't there and we had to go to Crummits because we were on a very tight recording schedule, writing and recording schedule, uh, because it's interesting to think back now because we're in COVID times, but back then we just, our whole years were booked. Like, uh, for example, last year, my entire year was booked. My entire year was uh, DGD with Rokota in March to May. And then, uh, tours in the summer tours in the fall and so that's what life was like in 2018 where, where we had all these things between all of our different bands between dance game and dance which keeps will really busy um we just had this really tight schedule and so it didn't work out with mikey where he could come up and 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 do um bass with with Crummit. and so we parted ways. so cmvar became a four-piece for a second and then um yeah, it it basically without going into the drama and without uh talking about it too much in depth, it just it it really shined a light when somebody says they were having creative differences. Um at that point I never really experienced until that point I never really experienced what a band having extreme creative differences were was like until uh we got to that crossroads where it just wasn't working out vocal wise. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And, and so um, the, the song sat in limbo for a while, uh, but will being the owner of a record label and having spent all this money on a, on a, on a record was like, we got to put these out somehow. And so he called me and was like, Hey, I think I'm going to take, I think I'm going to take, a couple of these songs and make and put them on the new DGD record and just have Matt re-record drums. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Cause that's a way for him business from a business standpoint, a way for him to recoup his money. Um, and so I asked him, Ace, hey, well, since I play, uh, guitar and Joe plays drums in uh, Royal Coda, can we move some of these songs over to Royal Coda? And, and, uh, since we wrote them and just have Kurt come in and sing over them and, and make a Rokota EP. And, uh, yeah. And then he was, was like, yeah, we can do that. And since I played guitar on them, I'll just join Rokota. And I was like, oh shit. All right. If you want to join Rokota, that's fine. Uh, and so that's the story of how Will started with, uh, Rokota. Cause he, it, we just had to do something with these songs that were just sitting in limbo and, uh, they weren't, uh, re recouping. That's, a, that's one of the things with blue swan, being on a major label, it's less stress. Um, obviously we want our records to sell well so that we don't take a loss. Uh, but at that point it was will, uh, and the label that had spent money. And so it's not, it's not a major label or anybody losing money. It's will. Um, and so we're like, we got to make, we got to put this, these songs out somehow so that we can, uh, recoup the, the cost of, of trying to produce these. And, um, yeah, um, 
that's how uh Ro Cutta with Will was born. Um Well that but... that's pretty cool and honestly I like that the songs got recycled more more than, you know, like a Royal or yeah, a Cian Bar album existing that you know we'd never get to hear. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting too is that like the first Ro Cota was that way. The first Ro Cota started out as a solo project for for me. I, I was like, I want to do a solo project, and because uh, I was in between, it felt like I was in between bands because Stolas was in the process of breaking up, and um, I felt like I was re- living really stagnant um, musically. And so um, I wrote that record, and then sang over it, and then hated my vocals, and so I called Kurt, and so same thing re- recycled songs uh that's how the first two royal coda records are uh they they were meant for other projects and we just rebranded it as royal coda when the initial intention for the songs didn't pan out um but they were still written by like especially early on they were written by the core elements of the bands which for the first record it was me and joe um joe while i had some songs programmed on drums some of them were written by carl some of the drums were written, were written by carlo actually um he's credited with four songs from the first rokota record um but the other ones i programmed drums myself uh he, Joe and mo- rewrote most of the drums for the first record, so it felt all right. It felt natural and organic to start a band with with Joe again for Roka. Yeah, if I could uh, cut you off for like one minute, because I remember you went on Instagram Live and um, with with Kurt, like when the pandemic first yeah. became a thing, and you were you were actually talking about this and. How, like, I guess, uh, for lack of better terms, the uh, whole uh, swan core sound is, like, very incestual in, in the fact that, like, right, like, you know, you want to use uh, Joe for a drummer because you're so used to, like, working with him. And obviously, Kurt has uh, established himself as, like, a great vocalist in different projects. And, and I guess you're right there with, with them as far as... Uh, being like the guitar player that that kind of helped solidify the like the sound well all of this <laughs> is born from just a want and a need to keep exploring um and i don't know because i i do beat myself up for being in all these different bands and uh and feeling like it's all ancestral but not in a way that's creatively uh expanding uh, sometimes I sit there and think, man, I even get confused if I like put Spotify on shuffle and I go, fuck, what band is this? Oh, this is, this is the CM bar song. Or I'll sit there and like think <laughs> I've mixed, I've, I've even fucked up before. I was like, oh shit, is this a CM bar song or is this a hail song? Like I, 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 cause I, I, I think it's not different enough. That's where I beat myself up. Sometimes I'm like, it's not different enough. Um, but then other times I'm like, ah, it's fun. It, it's fine, and it's just supposed to be fun. So why should why should I care so much? And and so I bounce between the two. I bounce between not caring and not giving a fuck, and thinking it's fine, and then going, it's not fine. I'm I'm in too many bands. I and they all sound relatively similar, 
and I got to really change that up or, or I'm just pitching, I'm just digging myself a deeper and deeper hole of, of progressive post hardcore music that, um, isn't expanding anymore. Uh, so I think I strike a good balance between the two. I think both, both aspects are necessary. Um, because I, I am really proud of the new Ro Coda record. It's the first record we actually wrote together, which I didn't know how it was going to go. I almost joked thinking like we should make up a fake project that we then call it quits for so that that record goes to Ro Coda so that it's in keeping with the process of the last two Ro Coda records. Um, but no, we wrote a record, the five of us in the room. Uh, and I'm really proud of how that record sounds. I think it's, uh, expanding on what we're doing in a creative way. The, the new Idola, I feel like sounds nothing like what Royal Coda is doing. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with Andrew's writing style. Um, so yeah, there are, I'm really proud of the new stuff that's, that, that we have unreleased. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. And you're like really good at answering like my next question before I ask, ask it (laughs) (laughs) because i was gonna ask how like royal coda came to be which you answered and how uh will joined but um to go to go back to like the whole working with same people in different projects i think like the fact that there is like this kind of like fandom in in i guess swan core um you know it, it makes it awesome because like no project if you're an actual fan of the music no project sounds exactly like the last one, like Royal Coda and CN Bar. Like, I feel like they're so much different other than having like a different vocalist. And, and like I was saying, like Nova Charisma sounds a lot different than CN Bar. Like, I really feel like, like you guys are trying to push the envelope and, and also trying to write something different that doesn't sound too much like this yeah, that's... band or that band. That's all I can do because I, since I'm in it, I can't tell the difference. And I don't think I'm a fair judge um, because, yeah, I'll see comments sometimes. I try to avoid looking at this stuff, but but sometimes I see it where people are just, I see it. I'm, all these bands sound the same. All these bands sound the same. <laughs> and, and, and I see that and I go, okay, that's fine. Like, whatever. I, I, there's, there's always going to be people criticizing it. But I also take it to heart in some ways where I go... All right, that just means I need to keep exploring and keep trying to expand because if not, I'm going to get stagnant and it really is just going to be band after band that sounds exactly the same. Um, and so, yeah, it's tough, but it, but it it's tough, but it's it's built it's built into the structure of being a musician and trying to to explore something new. Because um, I heard this before and it like really fucked with me because uh, I think the quote is something like going to the same place that other people have already been to by definition isn't creative. And I go, well, fuck, that probably means I'm not very creative because, um, you can look back and put on a Mars Volta record and, or, uh, even like fall, uh, uh, the early fall of Troy records or, or even, uh, the first DGD record and go, Oh yeah, this has already been done before. Um, it, here it is. Here's, here's the proof of, of uh of of concept that that it, it influenced all these other bands down the line um that it, it didn't really get much better like um that, that's so 
funny because for me it's like the opposite like i look at uh you know the first dgd record and as great as that record was it was a straight up post hardcore record like they're like they didn't like it didn't offer as much experimentation or pushing the genre as you know like maybe an album like happiness or downtown battle mountain 2 did or anything anything after that so i feel like that like going back to that album it's pretty dated and i was mostly talking about like <sighs> it's weird to talk about uh on a on a on a public podcast uh but mostly like relationship of command and delouse like do you think there's a record that tops those two it's kind of hard to 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 say that uh there's a record after uh since since those two records which came out pretty closely close to each other 2000 and 2003 um that that really topped uh what those people what those guys were doing I de- uh, I definitely get what you're saying and I feel like it's very like subjective cuz to It is it is like, I know that. Yeah. To somebody but, that that album might be full collapse by Thursday or it might be happiness by Dance Gavin Dance where like I'm like you know like I feel like this band is doing what was being done in relationship of command but they did make it better. So yeah, I get what you're saying and it's kind of like interesting to to think about it that way. Yeah. So it's not that I'm like constantly searching to top anybody or top and top. If, if, yeah. if there's, if there's anything I'm actually trying to top is my, is whatever previous record I played on, mm-hmm. uh, but not never like any other bands. I don't see it as a competition. Um, I don't see it as, um, like trying to one up another band or something like that. It's just, it really is just trying to go to a new place that's truly creative and and original and hopefully cre- it is that like landmark record that that other people look back in time and go whoa this is like this is the the starting point for something like i think we can agree that uh delaust and, and relationship of command was the starting point for something and I, I mean yeah. even will will would say that like will uh Will has even uh, said Doppelganger by Fall of Troy was was an influence on him, mm-hmm. um, but um, but yeah. Um, by the way, I hope. Uh, I don't know how your guys's podcast works in terms of dynamic between you guys, like you guys. I hope <laughs> we haven't been dominating the conversation. Uh, Dude, you've been doing great. Honestly, like what we want to hear is is mainly you. you. Yeah, <laughs> we're giving we're you the platform, man. Other. Yeah, <laughs> we're all we're all huge fans. We love we just love hearing all this. This is like uh, this is like a deep dive in Wikipedia, but it's like the uncut edition that's just yeah, like no. salty. I'm always like I do because I'll say anything, and I and then and, and I'm like fuck. I got I don't know how much I got to be careful for, but uh <laughs> but yeah, yeah well i don't think you've, you've said anything out of pocket so no I, yeah i know it's just and know. and i am gonna let my other guys uh ask questions the, i guess the last thing i wanted to ask is there any little detail clue you can tell us about the architect i know we're all you know just waiting at the edge of our seats for for some new idola dude i don't 
<laughs> I wish. I wish I could say. It's all good uh, if you can. I, you know. <laughs> I, it's not that I can't. It's just that um, I don't want to say something and then have it not be true. But it right now, we're looking, hopefully, at a release that starts in late March or middle of March uh, that goes until, I, I don't know, like a two-and-a-half-month rollout. Uh, okay. But that being said, it's not it's tentative because there's just so much going into this. Uh, there's so much. Um, a lot of it is uh, just the legal stuff. Um, going into BMG and Rise, uh, we have to do all new contracts. Like we, Will and I had a way that we used to do things, and now we have to do things uh, new and different, which is totally fine. It's not, I'm not complaining about it. It just takes a little bit more time. Uh, this is super weird for me. Uh, but it's but there's more lawyers involved and there's more conversations about what goes into the contracts stuff like that and that's why it's taking so long it's not anybody making a creative decision of like we're going to hold on to this record forever it's really that to do this we have to do it right and it has to be above board uh from the standpoint of a from of a of a corporate business uh being yeah. right so and, and that makes sense you know like i I think, like, most people that know even just a little bit of how, like, the music industry works, I, I'm guessing that they kind of understand that that's kind of, like, the issue. And it's not you guys just needing more memes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that meme stuff, really. I mean, we love Rise, and, and we love what they're doing. And and there's so many cool ideas that are flowing for, for this new release. Uh, but none of the meme stuff wasn't, uh, well, Andrew's off social media completely. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, that'll be something hopefully I'll get to do soon. Cause I, I, I feel like it's a toxic thing that's destroying our society and, and, uh, uh, causing our collapse. But, uh, we, we didn't, we just didn't know that they were doing that. And then I found out about it because people were getting mad and, uh, we were like, what the, what is, what's going on? Why are they doing this? We, 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 I feel like cultivated something by just being quiet for so long. Um, I feel like being quiet has helped um, the um, anticipation for the record. Yeah. But I feel like the, th or at least Andrew was just like, this thousand meme shit is, is kind of, uh, it, it, it's, I, I don't. It didn't jive with him very well. I don't. I don't know. Um, because we like we were, we're more. We were fine just being quiet forever. Yeah. Uh, but it's chill, and we're gonna send out stuff to people that uh who help create memes and, dude, and we got a kick out of uh, some of those. Some of them made us laugh really hard. Uh, <laughs> so it's not like we hated it entirely. We we just were unaware that they were doing that, and uh, we yeah. just we they kind of it kind kind of caught, caught us off guard sorry go ahead oh, i was just gonna say i think it was kind of like a joke that really snowballed in, into something like you know ryan uh who made a bunch of those memes is actually on the podcast with us and yeah it's almost yeah, like I mean, a passion project for him if anything <laughs> i mean but like just know that day. nobody's mad at you guys uh like if anybody was getting mad it was more towards rise but it was you know it's all because people have so much love for the band and are really anticipating this album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But from a, from a creative business standpoint, it's, I, I understand it. It's like memes 
memes there is a meme economy nowadays like even if you look at some commercials they'll like make a uh kind of wink and nod meme culture even dgd is is really good at doing this somebody made a meme a long time ago about uh john clean or whatever was the what was the actual meme about instead of john mess it was something clean james clean <laughs> oh, man, i don't even know that the one third. james clean the third it was James Clean, and then they and then they incorporated that into one of their music videos. Um, so I it it to me it's a cre- if if it's done right, it, there's a meme economy that can be creative for advertising. But in this case, I just felt like it was um, it it just kind of caught us off guard. That's all. That's all. It, we, Idola had no idea that that was happening, especially because Andrew is um, off social media. And so we just had no idea it was happening, but it's all good. We'll send stuff to people that made made a um, made the memes, and 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 the record will hopefully be rolled out soon. And dude, there's there's just so much. There's three music videos for it. Um, there's the artwork is incredible. Um, it, it's and I I don't want to make I don't. It's not like I'm trying to make anyone envious, but I listen to that record almost every day and have <laughs> for like the last. Uh, I took a break from it for a while, but for a while I was listening to it every day because I couldn't believe <laughs> that this shit fell out of Andrew's brain. It's his brainchild, but and I'm lucky enough to be able to play on it. Um, but yeah, I was just like, this is so. I don't know. It it's I don't know. I I love that record from a fan standpoint because I wasn't in the band until 2018, and so their earlier releases I'm not even on. And so I can listen to those records from a fan standpoint and be like, this is great. I love this. And I'm not on it because I tend to not really like the stuff I'm on the way I do, uh, other bands music. Um, and so the architect strikes a sweet spot for me that even though I'm playing on it and I can hear myself playing and and I, I know my parts, it's still overwhelmingly an Andrew record. It fell out of his brain. He wrote everything uh, in terms of song structure. And so I'm just grateful that he let me come on and and, uh, and play my stuff over it. Um, so Definitely excited to hear that, dude. And like as a dude that was probably like the spearhead of the Thousand Decent Memes, um, it was totally out of love, like, and then, the, like, that when the photo dropped, you're in that picture, it's just like, yes, like, this was, like, you know, <laughs> definitely worth it. It made it even better, dude, and the fact that, like, you know, like, you replied to my message on Instagram, and, like, you wanted to come on on the show, like, dude, like, massively, like, memes do lead to, like, great things, and it's, like, it's been wonderful, like, talking and shit, and hearing you pick your brain and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, this has been cool. Um, Yeah, I just want that record out. We all do. And uh, it'll happen. <laughs> but, so, so the record has a, you know, a John Mess uh, screaming. I think uh, on a couple songs. Um, does do does Matthew and John scream at the same time or on the same no. song at all? John John Mess was only on one of the songs. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and he and no, it was um, it was a feature. Where it's just him, him, uh, Matt Domer don't don't do any overlapping screams. That would have been uh, sick, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have a they they have pretty distinct screams. Um, 
It would have been cool, but yeah, no, John just gets his whole section of the song, uh, two se- two big sections of a song, uh, one of which we already released, because when they posted more memes and we saw that people were getting mad, um, I just made that video real quick. I was like, I'm going to take the screenshot of Rise's tweet and put more memes on it and, and just have it be John Mess's feature. And uh, I made it as a joke, and I wasn't going to post it. Uh, but then it got approved by the guys upstairs, so to speak. And so I was like, all right, it's fine. We can post it. Yeah, when when yeah. Ryza tweeted that, I, I tweeted them back saying like something along the lines that Ryze may not have the details on the Idola album, but they have the audacity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, and then uh, so that got back to Andrew somehow and. He was just like, dude, we should just drop the whole record right now. And I was like, we can't do that, but maybe we can do this. And I sent him that video. And, uh, yeah, it's just me hitting the space button to play the song. And uh, It's a brilliant meme, dude. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that record, man, it just needs to come out. And it will. And there's a lot of really cool stuff planned for it. Like I said, there's a lot of art that went into it. Um, there's a lot of... Um, just i don't know a lot of really cool visuals and i i hate that it's just been sitting in a hard drive on my computer and and not out in the world but it'll it'll happen soon just takes time um for sure i guess uh you know before we let you go do do you guys have any more questions i have a uh I have a couple questions from uh, some super fan uh, named Denise. She just wanted to Denise. Ask. Yeah, oh, she Jessica. said she loves you. Yeah, she, she loves you. She's a she's a buddy. She's I wouldn't even consider her a fan because we it, it's she's just goes way back with our group of people, <laughs> and uh, she's been on tour with even she, I think she went on tour with the Marionette with when Carla was playing with them, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we just see her so often that she's a buddy. She's a friend. <laughs> She's awesome people. She does good stuff over there at Swamp Posting. But yeah, she, she's, a, she's an admin and and uh, yeah, she's good but, people. But she had a she had a couple questions. If you have the time, yeah, of course, of course. She wanted to ask you, um, what's your favorite song from Myths of the Near Future by the Klaxons? Oh if it's had any influence on what's going on in your life with music and or anything like that, uh, it, I don't know if it's off this record. I love. I started getting into a bunch of UK bands. Uh, mm. I, I feel lame saying this, but uh, Klaxons, is, it's Golden Scans. It's their hit, the the big hit that they have. That was a great song. Uh, it's great an incredible song. song. Um, and I will say that a lot of UK music right now is playing a huge, huge influence on on me uh, for writing. I'm working on a solo project, but it has it's it's acu- it's mostly acoustic. There's hardly any uh, electric guitar on it. Um, and it's got really quiet and soft vocals and blah, 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 blah. But there's this band called Caro, uh, and they just put out an album called Burrows, and it's fucking incredible, and I've been listening to it nonstop. And, uh, yeah, but, but Klaxons, uh, uh, there's another band called, uh, um, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys know who John Howe is, the guy who does all the animation videos for DGD. Yeah. Uh, but he's from the UK and he's uh I'm actually seeing him tonight. But um he uh shares all these bands with me and, and uh there's a band called uh fucking why am I blanking on their 
band name. The, the record's called Fantasy Black Channel. Um, by uh, God damn it, why am I f- here? Sorry, I'm or else I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm just looking it up on my phone real quick. Why am I blanking on my favorite record right now? Uh, Late of the Pier. Jesus Christ, I, f- I can't believe I forgot that. Late of the Pier. They have a record called Fantasy Black Channel. Um, and they're incredible. Um, there's also, I think they're a band from Ireland. Uh, they're called Idols. Um, oh yeah, Idols is great. And then another band called uh, Fountains DC. Um, they have a record out called uh, A Hero's Death. That's mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. And I think they just had uh, their live uh, late night television debut uh, recently. But yeah, just a lot of music from the UK is a is a is what I've been listening to, and that's been playing a huge influence on me. Cool, yeah, like you mentioned, Claxons and like all that, like mid two thousands, like Interpol. Like, yeah, exactly. Block Party and Foles, like the that. Foles, I that... fucking love Antidotes by Foles. Yes, yeah, <laughs> bangers. Yeah. Like I like I feel like I discovered them the same like around the same time I uh, discovered Claxons and like yeah. Phoenix and stuff like that. So you know what other band that I got really big into. Uh, it was a two-door cinema club. Dude, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I saw them live, and I totally... I went with a group of people that were ready to mosh, and everybody around us were, like, teenage girls, and, like, they were not stoked that we were trying to mosh. To, <laughs> but to I, I get wanting to mosh to them, because there's so much, like, energy, <laughs> like, um, like, you know, when it, like, songs like Undercover Martin and... Um, yeah. You know, I, I, is it now I can talk? Like that has that crazy tremolo picking. Like, yeah, oh, they're, they're so, so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a. Yeah, I have to look through my Spotify. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, how many? Uh, what else did Denise have to ask? Do she have any more? Um, yeah, she has one that'll segue into my next question that actually helps me out here. Uh, she wanted to. No, uh, what's the massive differences between like your time with uh, Rise and Equal Vision? That's a good question. Um, hmm. Well, what's interesting is that working with Equal Vision, they had somebody that now works at Rise, so not too much different because I I already had this good relationship with. Uh, her name's Lisa. She works at Rise. We worked on everything Nova Charisma related, everything. And then she moved over to Rise, and now we're working together again in the same capacity. Um, so, nice. yeah, I would say um, it's. I don't know if that's a fair one. the The relationship with Rise just started, so I don't know. So far, it's been mm-hmm. great. Uh, even with the meme, the Idola meme stuff. Uh, that we had no idea about and it kind of caused like a rift uh even then like that's not e- that's not even anything that uh i could call negative it, it, it's it's all yeah. been a positive experience yeah. so far but but it's but it's also new with 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 equal vision i only have two experiences with stolas um which was great even though we hopped on the equal vision at a time where stolas was not in a good spot and eventually broke up and mm-hmm. the second one is uh, Nova Charisma, which is great. I mean, we are in direct contact with uh, 
His name's Dan Sanchal, who's been the head of EcoVision for many years and uh, has signed and uh, worked with all the bands that were were are really iconic in our in our music scene. Uh, for example, like he was there uh, when Coheed was starting out. Um, he worked with Coheed, Circa, Chiodos, Fall of Troy, um, and so being able to pick his brain about stuff in in the industry and just hearing the stories that he has to tell is, I don't know, he's just a wonderful man. He's really, really cool. He's really low key. Uh, he probably wouldn't be stoked that I mentioned him by first and last name on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, really, awesome. really nice, really nice dude. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't have any really, I don't have any label horror stories or anything like that. Um, That's good. That's a good thing though. I would yeah. say. Yeah, some bands yep. do, and unfortunately, it, it has tanked bands before. But I, I've been lucky that I haven't had to deal with that in any way, really. Yeah, and to segue into my second question, you mentioned them yourself. I was going to ask during your uh, brief tenure in Chiodos, what was that like? Like the um, live videos of you on there. Like I just love those videos, dude. It's like watching you play the classics is like awesome. Um. I wasn't a fan of Chiodos before I had to learn their songs. So it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like, for example, if like Fall of Troy, for whatever reason, at that time needed a guitar player, it would have been easy for me because I would have already learned, I already, I already knew those songs. I, already, I, I, I am in part the guitar player I am because I had to learn, uh, I didn't have to, but I chose to learn Fall of Troy songs early on when I first started listening to them in high school, I would, I would try to learn songs by ear. Um, and I've talked with Thomas about this at length because um, I, I really picked up uh, on his writing. But with Chiodos, I didn't know any of their songs. I didn't know a single one. I think I only knew the one that goes, digga, 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 digga. I don't even remember what that song is called. Words Best Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I knew that one because of that riff, but I didn't know all of it. I just knew that main yeah. riff. And mm-hmm. uh, and my little brother was a fan of Chiodos. And uh, so he was just like, yeah, that's this song. I remember, <laughs> I remember Greg sent me a text with the songs that I needed to learn, but he didn't name them all the way because all those songs have like really fucking long-ass titles. And, uh, and he would just send one word text. And I was like, David, which songs are these? Like, can you tell me? Because he was an actual fan, uh, I was like, "What? What's the? What? I need to learn these songs, but I don't know which ones they are because they're one or two words of the actual like five to six word title." Uh, and uh, yeah, so um, going into it, I was already kind of handicapped because I I wasn't uh, in tune with what their sound and vibe was, um, and then and then as people, just dude, I was twenty when I started playing with them. 21 i had just turned 21 um i was a young kid uh and it just i i couldn't handle being on that boat and so i had to i had i just i quit i was like i can't do this i was scared um i was anxious um i didn't like how i felt being in that not that those people are um uh, terrible human beings or anything like that. It's just that they're a lot older and they had already gone through so much in their career. And I think just implanting a, a 20 year old kid 
into a situation with a bunch of 30 year olds who um, had already hit, I think their stride and passed their prime. Um, and maybe we're feeling a little bit weird about it. Um, I just wasn't comfortable. I wasn't in a good place. And so I, I couldn't handle it. And, uh, I, I, I rage quit. <laughs> I just left. Um, and yeah, I feel like that. Considering I, what you went on to do, that's fine. Yeah. Or who knows, dude? I don't know. They asked me if I wanted to write, they were trying to write a new record and uh, they asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. Um, and so who knows? I, I think back to that sometimes, and I'm like, I wonder what would have been if I had like stuck around and wrote, uh, I don't know. I, uh, who knows? But but it didn't, it didn't end up panning, panning out, and, and they eventually just called a hiatus. Yeah. And like, like you mentioned, you know, they're older, you're near 20, so that must create like such a weird dynamic that it was probably for the best that you went on and do the amazing things that you did um you mentioned your your you know younger brother being a chiodos fan and um he actually just started making music right yeah well he's been making music for a long time but it's finally been recorded in a professional setting uh and being released in a proper manner by proper that I mean, interesting like a... to to watch yeah, it's cool. He's a little brother. It's just yeah. cool to watch him flourish in a way that isn't anything like how I... Ha- like, we both have very different uh, paths. And uh, he his is very indie rock, bright eyes, uh, Mac DeMarco, uh, Omar Apollo type stuff. Um, and I we're just not in the same ballpark which is which is what makes it so cool i think i'd be bored if he was playing the same kind of stuff i was playing yeah uh, <laughs> or it or it'd be kind of discouraging because i'm like dude you you should have your own path like you should have your own sound you should want to do your own thing which he totally is doing it, it's so to me at least it's so far removed from what i do um that that's what makes it really fun um and uh just, yeah just learning um learning a lot trying to release a record to have it appeal to a completely different audience than, than, uh, than the blue swan world. Yeah. And then you had done a podcast with your mom, I think where you discuss, uh, like, I guess her life as like an immigrant, which I mean, my, my parents, uh, immigrated from Nicaragua and like, I've never really sat down and, and talked to them. You know, they've, told me you should stuff, but i feel like an asshole yeah for not you really should trying to and get you, their story and if you can record them yeah. I, I i i don't say that as a joke either it's dude it, it's uh, for anybody who has immigrant parents we don't have the slightest fucking idea of the shit they went through uh in terms of like the real human emotion and turmoil that one feels when you're in a new place and both my parents were um were immigrants and came from different countries where they came here with, with literally nothing. They came here with nothing. And, uh, my dad's told me stories about being in the United States with like $5 to his name. And, uh, and same with my mom. And, and so I was like, I need to capture this shit on, uh, on, on recording. Cause one day they won't be here and I want to look back and, uh, and, and listen and just hear. And, and hopefully when I have kids of my own, I'll, be like yeah this is me having a conversation with my mom and her telling her story and uh yeah it just um 
I don't know. And it instilled a sense of an adventure for me because I it, it pushed me to want to become a world traveler. Like my, my dad's been everywhere and and he traveled a lot as a uh with nothing. Uh and so growing up he'd tell me stories and I'd be like, That's what I wanna do. I wanna travel, but I don't wanna be I, I wanna do a, a touring band. Uh so really if it wasn't for my parents and, and, and their sense of adventure and, and their uh drive and 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 guts to take a risk so big like leaving your home country um uh, i probably wouldn't have had the inspiration to 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 do a, to do my version of it which is touring in a touring band yeah and uh, yeah like i said it, it definitely inspired me to like you know someday sit down and have that conversation with them especially because i do you know i have uh kids of my own and you know right now they're way too young to even grasp something like that so it would be cool to even have that for them to you know because they're like so far removed from you know like people immigrating from like a different country trying to make it to the united states yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's insane but to think about it if you really sit down and think what it's like to 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 leave your country and, and and go somewhere new it's uh yeah it i don't know it's uh, but yeah so that's that's really what it was with me and my i'd love to get my dad on recording but he he doesn't want to <laughs> he just doesn't want to but um yeah for sure um hey guys do you have any more questions before we let him go um, do I sound okay or? <laughs> or I'll take an impossible whopper, please. Yeah, big whopper. Yeah, me and Sergio. <laughs> David, do you have a question? No, I feel bad. I, we just hazed him for the Burger King noise, but I feel like you can still ask. <laughs> It'll just Cash, sound like. You, could... you can Wait. give him his order. It's all good, man. I'll catch you next time. <laughs> no. No, no, no. no. Ask the question. Ask the Matt question. even a have a nice day? Speak to your manager. <laughs> oh, shit. Ask the question. Um, I was wondering, like, if um, how much like your classical guitar and violin upbringing influence how you're playing today? Um, anytime I'm finger picking in any of the music that I've done, um, that's how I would say um, classical guitar has influenced me. Um, I really like uh, classical music and I like classical guitar. Um, and I hated it while I was in school. Cause it was school and I had, it was school work and I had to really work at it cause it was at that time really, really difficult for me. Uh, but now I have a huge appreciation for it. And anytime that I can create a part that's finger picked, it feels more interesting in a way. Uh, not that I prefer it over strumming or, or playing with the pick, but, um, I don't know. And then you look at guys like Tosin Abasi from animals as leaders who is creating and, 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 um, pioneering some crazy finger picking styles that uh, that I think is born and, and stems from uh, a classical guitar background and technique. Uh, 
Um, and so, yeah, there are moments in, in uh, specifically, like there's a song off the last Stolas record called Metempsychosis at the end um, that has a lot of finger picking on electric guitar. Um, same with, uh, there's some Cianbar stuff that's finger picked. Um, and uh, yeah, anytime I'm finger picking, that's where I would say the classical, even though I'm not playing something that has a classical guitar uh musical composition feel to it it's still that background of having to learn how to finger pick that that is influencing me um so all right awesome man uh get off before i kill anyone's ears so (laughs) (laughs) sorry for hazing you it's all good (laughs) david did you have a question Oh, it's really quiet now. We can, it's the opposite now. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let me get in there. But uh, but shoot, Sergio, through all your projects, you know, uh, any like favorite songs or maybe you know like an an album that's like close to your heart? It's like you know, I'm glad, I'm happy, I did this in my career. You know, like you know, just a personal favorite. Um, you know which one? I actually had this feeling like a couple of days ago for uh. It's been recurring, but it really hit me that I'm like, ah, oh, I'm proud of this one. Is is Alan Eternal by Stolas. Um, for the last uh several years, that was the one I always look back on as like a as the ugly duckling in the in the batch of, of work that I've that I've helped make. And really? Yeah, I don't know why. Because it just had a lot of like uh negative association negative memories associated to it. The recording process was super stressful. The writing process, it was fun, but we really confined ourselves. Like we had never, I think that was the first and last concept album that uh, I've done. That's okay. not adult. That's not idol. Um I was going to say with songs like Proving Grounds and uh, So Lunar and I, I think it's like Hereth, like those songs are so good. <laughs> I, but for a long time, man, like I said, I just felt like, and plus, um, it came out at the same time as Wake. Wake came out in September of 2014, and, and Alma Eternal came out in November, which we had to push back. It was going to be October, but we had to push back. Um, and um, Wake, obviously, now when you if you look at in terms of numbers, like Wake is the uh, um, what would you call it? It's like the I think it's even a magnum opus. Yeah, it's like I even think it's Hale's most popular <laughs> record. And at that time, it was clear that like if if it were a race, even though it wasn't, we were all friends and we were. It's not like we were competing against each other, but both on Blue Swan Records, that record does better than Alan Eternal. And so in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, that it, it felt. Even though I shouldn't have taken it like this, um, because like I said, we're all friends and it wasn't a competition. It felt kind of like a defeat, you know. Uh, it felt like. Um, here are these two records that are going head to head almost by being released within a month and a half of each other. And, um, and, uh, one of them's clearly doing better. And, and that kind of, uh, that along with, um, just how hard it was to record just all of the, the turmoil and travel that went into it. And, uh, and then the fall, the subse the, 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 the following tours that we did on it, um, it just kind of, I don't know. It was a rough patch, and uh, and so I had a lot of negative memories attached to Alan Eternal for a really long time. But now that we're doing this podcast, and I'm like going back and listening to the, what we did, and 
and the stories uh, that we want to bring up in our podcast. Um, I was like, I'm going to listen to Al Maternal. And the other day I was driving around and I listened to all of it. And I was like, yeah, I'm happy this one. I'm, uh, I, I love this guy. I, fe- I feel bad that I hated him for so long, but, but it's a good one. And, and I'm proud of it. And um, yeah, but it, it took me a long time just for some reason. I, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like if you're dating a girl for a really long time and you, and you start listening to a bunch of music together and then you guys break up. And then even like a year or two down the line, you're like, yeah, this song, this is a good song, but it's got those memories attached to this one girl I dated once. That's kind of how Al Maternal was for me for a long time. And, uh, see, yeah, that's me with Kurt Travis songs. I'll tell you (laughs) with the girlfriend thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It happens. I'm just, I'm messing. We love Kurt. He was, uh, I guess on the podcast not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, dude, Kurt's a Kurt's a great buddy. It's weird because him and I have known each other for since twenty eleven, twenty twelve, early twenty twelve. We've known of and have known each other for and toured together for for a long time. But we we didn't really become friends until twenty eighteen. And now we're like brothers. Now now we'll just he'll call me because he's bored and we'll just shoot the shit for like in thirty to forty minutes on a phone call. Uh, and uh, every time we, we we are together, we go skateboarding, and um, yeah, we're like kids. We're like little kids, and just having like like teenagers just romping around whatever city that we happen to be in. And um, yeah, man, that dude's like a brother to me now. For sure, man. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up, and just wanted to say thank you for you know from the bottom of our hearts for coming on, and we're looking forward to everything that you know that you're working on real coda the idola album i hope you you know just continue to create and create because you got like an awesome like well of creativity inside you man thank you that means a lot and it means a lot that you guys would listen to me for just rant for almost two hours and and let me have a platform to want to go for another two, dude. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. It's, dude, I, it's been I one w- of the most entertaining episodes. For dude, sure. I, I would if I didn't have to drive to Los Angeles right after this. Um, uh, but well, uh, yeah, take us with you, dude. We'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, take but any, I, I'm sure we'll do a part two at some point. Maybe after the Idola record comes yeah. out, we can do a part two or two thousand uh, two thousand decent that. memes and Joe yeah. will come back. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> But no, hey, really, let us I, know, man. I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate all of the the Blue Swan community and all these people that have an interest in in all these different bands. And and uh, yeah, because I like I said earlier, I beat myself up sometimes because I'm like I sometimes I'm like fuck, does this all does this all just sound the same, or am I really being creative? And then there's people online that that come back and talk about how much this music and this community means to them, and so that's cool. It means it, and it, it does. It doesn't go unnoticed, and and uh, and I and I appreciate it very much. So so cool, thank man. you guys yeah. and everybody listening. And, um, yeah, I, I was gonna say next time you you know you feel like beating yourself up, call me, man, and I'll beat you up for real because <laughs> you're like your music is awesome, and like you're not even allowed to to talk down to yourself, dude. No, I just kidding. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you're good. I feel like it's I I honestly just think it's an integral part of being any and any creative i think will do whether it's music a writer i feel like 
unless you're fucking Tommy Wiseau who did the room, I don't think uh You're your any, own biggest critic for sure. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody creates anything of good substance without having a little bit of I don't know. Fucking Joe put it the best because we wrote Stay Lost when him and I it's it's super weird. It just, I'll end with this. Um Joe and I were in a kind of a feud when we were writing Stay Lost um uh, uh, over something and uh not like we, we it's not we we weren't friends we were just there was a we were we had a weird rough patch in our friendship but we still had to write the record and when the record came out and we were finally we it, it was a few it didn't last very long but i remember going up to him and be like dude i don't know if it was because we were mad at each other or we were like angry or we feel we felt weird but like i feel like that helped create those songs and uh he said yeah dude friction makes fire and uh yeah, these that, o- <laughs> that, that always that always stuck with me because I, I feel like that that self-deprecating feeling that people have when they're making stuff i feel like that's just another version of that friction making fire um that being said i don't feel like it's something that uh you can try to cultivate i feel like if anybody's trying to willingly put themselves in a in the spot where they're talking down on themselves i don't think that's healthy i don't think it's healthy for too much self-deprecation, but I think there's a little bit of healthy de- self-deprecation for sure. Um, in in making art, <laughs> not in just in general, normal psychological state, you probably shouldn't be self-deprecating. Uh, but I think there is an aspect to self-deprecation when you're in a creative pursuit that helps you move forward and pushes you a little bit further. Um, I think it, it is a little bit of of gas in the engine just a little bit um, and it keeps you humble too man so that's yeah. that's good but, yeah, all right guys works, yeah oh sorry go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off yeah no i was just saying i relate with that uh you know failures can create you know your growth you know it's, it's the way yeah. it appreciate your time and words man it's been a great time we all appreciate you yeah dude you, yeah you thanks thank you so much man yeah, of course, and uh, keep me posted on on uh, when this comes out. And uh, yeah, I, I'll I'll be talking to you guys, and and thank you guys so much. Let's get some Whopper awesome. sometime, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys awesome. have a good one. Wow. Oh wow! Nice. What a way to end an interview. Uh, we finished that Burger King, like, and that's what I like. <laughs> what? <laughs> that burp, like his, man, uh, uh, his beefy oh, burp. That was a great interview. Any, anyways, though. Yeah. yeah. And what? Set a- that one out. <laughs> a rattler. Us, man, that was pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, we got him to spill the beans. You know, everything. I don't know how we do it. How we just get people to tell us <clears throat> and everything we're doing we let them do the talking <laughs> yeah but like we make great lawyers <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, we're gonna hire a couple of lawyers now <laughs> i don't know it was like you know sergio said like yeah i don't know we didn't we felt a little uncomfortable with the memes and he was like oh yeah you know what the you know the guy the guy doing that right he's on the podcast right now like <laughs> yeah <And> it's like <laughs> you know i, I don't know <laughs> he, he knows he knows that though he knew that coming in here that's how oh, he got okay. on the show. <laughs> All right. I, I, okay. A little plan. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs>
That's that's how rubbing that's backs how, and that's how rubbing each other's to, backs. Yeah, I was able to get a hold of him because he replied to that uh the message regarding the thousand memes. He asked, "Did it really get to a thousand? And I replied, "Yeah." And I made like four hundred. <laughs> like, oh wow. Uh, okay. well, you made you made four hundred of them. <laughs> yeah, almost four hundred. Not not four hundred. I assumed you made like nine hundred of the thousand. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I thought I thought you made all. Um, but then again, two memes. I turned on notifications for you just to see what you what was happening. <laughs> there was definitely there's more than like one person that made over a hundred. Like there's a couple of them out there that like. There's people that were like the 150s, 160s, and then we need you were the literally in the pack though, right? Yeah, I don't think anyone else got like I. I'm pretty sure either Joshua or Jack that got really far. Like, there's definitely not like anybody that did just like two or three on the podcast. I don't think. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i like i'm sorry but i have too much of a life to like fucking just sit there and make meme after meme I'm, i was in fucking brazil like working like hello long <laughs> yeah i was like yeah i was like am i gonna really take a whole deep dive into this discography really get into it just <laughs> so i can make some memes i know it's great it's just that <laughs> That would it would take a lot of effort to make memes on my part. At least Ryan's getting something for his effort. Yeah. I mean, we got this interview, so that worked. Something from Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems sounds like you're gonna get some uh, merch or something too. Some swag. Some yeah. Swag bag, man. If it's a, what, what size do you guys wear? Extra medium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. Watch it. It's like a shirt with like your memes on it. <laughs> I'll probably get some like uh like some old like stickers from like bands that are not even signed to the label anymore. Yeah, well, what was like the shittiest Rise Records band? <clears throat> Dude, I was uh, print out the sh- the meme. I'm, I'll take a print. That's out a very hard question. question. Very you're hard you're gonna get a signed uh, Fame on Fire album or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is that even a band on Rise? <laughs> shout out, shout out to Fame. Maybe on we should. Sh- maybe we shouldn't defame the record label that we just had a dude that like a representative from it. <laughs> it's all. I don't think it's really defaming it. It's just yeah. talking about some. We're talking the about the band. band the band they ever signed. Any anybody that knows anything knows that. Um, that Ryan works for Rise Records. It's out in the open now. He was a he was a mole. Out, you know, he was. They <laughs> planted. Honestly, me. after that, if they just hired you for, I was like, they're gonna just hire him for like marketing or something. <laughs> it's all just an advertisement. <laughs> no, make this, I've, I've make this memes, Ryan. Make this motherfucker golden. They had Mikey with. Whiskey hands on Rise Records. There you go. There was the worst artist they ever had. Oh, Watsky? <clears throat> no, Mikey Whiskey hands. That was uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike Wazowski. Has his, like... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mike Wazowski. Like... I have no idea who that is. What? 
You don't know who you Mike Wazowski watch or Pixar? Mike Pixar? What, what band is he in? Mike Wazowski? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I does stand up. I'm pretty sure up, he's in a, a emo revival band from like Philadelphia or something. Moses, Mike Wazowski from Monsters <laughs> Inc. He's yeah. from a band. Oh, that, like that green eye. That, like, <laughs> yeah. dude, dude, dude. dude, I've dude. never seen that movie. Fuck that. What? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> Moses. No, dude. Okay, y'all. I was a little kid drawing. Dude, how, how did your kid that. not see Monsters Inc.? Oh, no. They, they've they seen it. Okay. Oh, you just, you just don't. Okay, you're yeah. just uh, okay. plopping them down and leaving the room? Yeah. I'm probably going to go, you know, have a drink or listen oh, to, man. you know? That's a childhood memory right there. Listen to Lil Peep. Yeah, listen to Lil Peep. Be like, While they're watching. But if I, t- <laughs> if I told you, like, that Mike Wazowski was, like, a singer in, like, some emo revival band from Philadelphia, I feel like that's somewhat believable, right? I No, when Mike Wazowski makes me think of, like, um, I don't know, Sunrise Skater Kids or, you know, like, those, like, YouTube, like, like parody. No, that's true. Kids. I could see that, too. <laughs> I, I just think stand-up, kind of like, you know, what he did at, at the end of the movie. You know, it's like, oh, let's make up. kids laugh instead of... Yeah, like, in, the solution was, like, instead of scaring kids, let's, like, make them laugh. So, like, he was Scary kids scaring kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I'm looking forward when, <laughs> yeah. like, my kids are old enough to watch something that I'd want to watch, like Kill Bill Volume 1 or some shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> probably another 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the... R-rated movie? Is that the first R-rated movie you're gonna sit him down in front of? Oh yeah, that whole book is kind of it's kind of dark. <laughs> yeah, there's some. Uh... Young on dark, man. <laughs> I think I was pretty young when I watched Topic Thunder. So. Ooh, that that'd be a good one. That dude, like, yeah, I, I was, was probably like ten years old the first time I saw that. I was ten or younger, like dude. Yeah. Today. <clears throat> You would not be able to make that movie today. <laughs> no way. Not yeah, even a little like, bit. I was like in fifth grade. And I just remember the line like motherfucker and like dudes blowing up. It was great. Thanks, Dad. It is true. The people do get very mad when they find out uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> it's like um, the meme last year. Yeah, should we get into recent listens instead? Yeah. Um, we gotta go over that Will so. Swan trippy red feature, dude. Okay. Oh man. So for let me let Do me it. preface it by saying that the album's not great. Um, I like I I feel like the Will Swan guitar riff and and stuff was great. Like the beat was great, but dude, just start singing. Let's keep swimming away or or something like. He just keeps repeating that and not really saying anything of substance, which kind of sucked. Like, why wasn't anybody helping him with his with his uh, lyrics? Like, he he writes great <laughs> melodies. <laughs> like, no, no, no. And I'm I'm saying like he writes great melodies. I'm a big trippy red fan. Like, um, you know, outside of this project, and I was expecting something better because. Like he he just writes shit that's really catchy. He's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I feel no. like I feel like he really needed help on the lyrics department. Like Geronimo, featuring Chino Moreno, that song was actually really good. 
And I feel like it's it's a, it's a one song that can be taken away <clears throat> from that project that was great. I also felt like there was too many songs. Like, cut that in half and really focus on, um, on you know, just a handful of songs instead of, uh, you know, just having, like, a shit ton, shit ton of songs with, with, like, you know, interesting... Um, interesting features like i feel like what people mainly like haven't really said about it is that matt malpas co-wrote and co-produced a lot of the songs and he's a dude that that uh produced um acceptance speech which as you know is my like i want to say it's my least favorite um uh dance gavin dance album but there's a stain on that album because that guy touched instead of Chris Kremen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, shout out to that guy. Get better at your job. Um, I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't know. Like, like when you think of MGK, which as much as it pains me to say it, like, I like he, like his album was so much superior because mm-hmm. I felt like there was more substance. It felt like really autobiog- yeah, autobiographical, like, I don't know, like, there was more substance to the lyrics, and the melodies were better, and it almost felt like it came from a more focused place, and he was working with, like, honestly, he was working with Travis Barker a lot, and there was somebody else in the studio with him that, uh, like, I looked him up, and, like, he did a lot of other good kind of pop-punk hip-hop songs, so I think if I think what Trippy Red should have done is work with the same people that MGK worked with and focus on just a handful of songs instead of making like a huge, I don't know, album that's more than 20 songs along. Did you guys have anything to say about it at all? <clears throat> Check it out. Um, that was the one I forgot to listen to this week, but I like pray. I like listened to the Modson album and the MGK album just to like get ready for it and then just totally blanked on it but unfortunately what do you think yeah. about the Monson album because i actually haven't listened to that one and i know a lot of people have been talking about it and obviously a lot of people know who Monson is because he was a drummer for four letter lie and i think at one point was in scaring kids scaring kids or or was it a uh, the same band that bill murray was in uh fuck no I'm he was in like, attack attack okay yeah he was in an attack attack um yeah so what'd you think about that one um i think the mgk album is better but it's solid i think yeah. monson yeah the monson album is solid but um yeah like i said mgk is but i mean like i i do like this i do like the rap like these like rappers like doing pop punk more than like the pop punk that all the pop punk bands are doing because the pop punk all the pop like i said before like it's kind of all super depressing and like kind of already been done so much but like this feels really like different and unique and it's like really it's way more interesting for me to listen to it and feels so, very punk rock like yeah especially the mgk album for sure i mean the mgk album is great and i like i revisited this week mainly just because you were tweeting about it so much and i was like <laughs> and you do it it was really catchy, bro. Like it, it's it so was. catchy and it's it's good shit. I hope I hope that like more artists do like 
do that, like branch out and try to make a pop punk album. Like Halsey should fucking do it because her feature on the MGK yeah, that was a great was feature. So good, dude. And did you uh, listen to this song from the extended cut of it? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He yeah. has that song with Burma Kraken that's so fucking. Yeah, good. the Burma Kraken song is great. He doesn't cover Misery Business, and he does an acoustic song, and then he does a couple other ones, but. Yeah. <clears throat> Lots on solid though. I'd probably say it's like a seven out of ten. For sure. Does anybody have anything to add about the trippy red song or Will Swam feature? That Will Swan feature yeah. though. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big deal, like for the scene as a whole. Like, isn't this been like the thing that we've been promised for like the longest time, the trippy red dance Gavin dance collab, and this is like while not exactly what we were promised, I mean, it's the, a step in the right direction for the boys, you know, getting that mainstream exposure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I forget how long ago Trippy Red went on that Tough Boys, uh, like, interview and mentioned that he was working. Well, he did. Yeah, he said he was working with Blink-182, Travis Barker, and Will Swan. And, uh, or no, not Will Swan. He said Dance Kevin Dance. Um so I, I guess at that point we didn't really know what was gonna come of it, but in the Dance Game and Dance AMA, Will Swan said, "Yeah, you know, I like I uh, sent a couple of riffs to Trippy Red, and he was gonna work on them with the famous drummer, uh, which he didn't name, but obviously Travis Barker's like the only drummer that that's really made in, a name for himself in the pro, like hip hop production world." Um, so that was kind of a given, and like, all right, all right. So what what we're gonna get is just um, trippy rapping or singing over a, a song that's kind of written by Will Swan and Travis Barker. But if that was to solidify a like a relationship between Will Swan and Travis Barker, that could you know become like an interesting thing for sure. You're saying Travis Barker would replace Matt Mingus? No, I'm saying Will Swan would. Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing, but Blink 182. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and Tom would come back, and you know, like, sorry, Matt, you're great. I love doing Alkaline Trio, but peace. <laughs> um, I don't know. As far as uh other new stuff to drop, did you guys listen to the new Tillian song? anthem yeah. it's really fucking good that music video though bro what do you think of them visuals i you know he's been teasing like all these interesting visuals and pictures so it's really cool that he's taking like a huge artistic approach to to like his new music and i did like this song a lot better than the one that came out a couple months ago I can resonate with that. I think it might be the, his best solo song, to be honest, um, out of everything he's released. Yeah. And Cocky, which I think is like the like pinnacle of like Tillian like solo stuff. It's just like and it's got the catchy instrumentals and then like the hooks catchy. I mean, it, it's, it just wasn't really anything for me. Like it was a great song. It's poppy and catchy, but it, I don't think it really solidified him as a as a solo artist for me but like 
I, I feel like with Anthem and even the the song to come out before uh, before that one, I feel like okay, it sounds like he's finding more of his footing, like mm-hmm. like he's trying different stuff and he's really trying to uh, like Lo- solidify himself. He loves them synths, man. He likes that synth. He's getting them heavy, heavy synth vibes, like. I think, like, his last two songs, like, every song's got either, like, gated drums or, like, a heavy synth lead, so I'm all for it. I dig it. Like, he's responsible. Like, isn't he, like, the one responsible for, like, the little interludes in Dance Gavin Dance? Like, half of, like, he does, like, those little uh, instrumental, like, obscure melodies that, like, transition into the next song they've been using? I'm not sure about that. Um... Shit, someone else i can't remember off the top of my head actually like moses when you brought up like you know not being happy with like the lyrics you know uh and bringing up killian it's like it reminds me of like on say hi where he's like you know where he just kind of repeats i'm normal like that thing like i i I felt like it's like really that's that's like that's all you're gonna fill this section with like you know i was a little disappointed with that i was like there's you know he could have just done more cooler things with it at least I just feel you on that one at least. Yeah, just definitely check out Anthem. I think it's great, and I can't like you know I'm looking forward to hearing more of his uh, solo stuff on this album. It seems like it's gonna be pretty interesting. Um, you know, you know what that uh what Anthem reminds me of honestly though. What kind of reminds me of like a Johnny Craig solo like song, but like, kind of better. Speaking of Johnny Craig, he released a song called going under and it's actually really good i was surprised because not that long ago he he um you know released an ep and it just kind of felt like it was lacking a little something i don't know um like i like i almost said like johnny singing r&b isn't anything special compared to him singing r&b over like you know post hardcore guitars like, I think that's kind of where he shines, but um, I don't know. He kind of proved me wrong with this newer song. Honestly, Locked out the noise. Know. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, a lot of people are, have written him <laughs> off, and, uh, like, that's totally understandable, but I think, um, I don't know, this song's really interesting, and, I, I, you know, I can't wait to hear what else he comes out with. Um, other than that, you know, Post Malone did that thing for <laughs> like, the Pokemon anniversary, which I didn't get to watch, but, um, I don't know, ho- hopefully I can catch that. The, um, I only want to be with you. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that, and it was really good, like, the Pokemon version. Can I be honest? Like, I totally forgot about that song until now. I think that's kind of how I feel about it. It's kind of forgettable. <laughs> oh, it, it's forgettable for sure. Cause yeah, I totally like forgot. You know, like my my main thing about um about Post Malone, I actually enjoyed him more when he was like a SoundCloud artist back when you know he did White Iverson or Too Young. Um, you know, like the really like just more SoundCloud stuff, and I mean, it's it's cool to see him blow up the way that he did. But I feel like to me, at least to me, the stuff that that kind of made him uh, really interesting, like kind of wore off. But 
like he still does make like really good like really good songs and um definitely not taking away from that oh i mean i kind of agree but i kind of also think he's probably on the precipice of doing something really cool like maybe like in the vein of like mgk or something is a thing yeah. he's he's really like push i think he's really starting to push his himself and so i kind of just want to see i don't i don't necessarily want to say his new stuff or i don't necessarily want to say like or write him off or like decide what he his what he is until like he comes until i see what he does on his next project so yeah i mean I, I i wouldn't write him off either because i mean hollywood is bleeding did have you know, some great stuff in there. Um, uh, like, what? Like he has that song where he's talking about, like, bumping Fallout Boy in a private jet. Like, <laughs> that song was... Wow, like, that song's fucking... Yeah, great. yeah. Um, you know, Goodbye, like, Sunflower, like, obviously those songs are more, like, in the pop spectrum, but at least it it's still, like, good, you know? Like, I feel like he's not... Um, he hasn't sold out or anything, but he's definitely trying to cater to like a bigger crowd, a more, you know, like, I guess kind of surpass like that underground hip hop sound, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, I, like, you know, the next uh, album he drops, I'll be listening to it, you know, on, on the first day for sure. For sure. Uh, for me, what else did I listen to? Um, Manchester Orchestra um, put out a new song called Bedhead, which is pretty sick. Um, there's a new Pop Smoke song, and that's pretty much uh, it for me. What, like, what do you guys? What got? about uh, wait, pulses? Wait, oh, oh yeah, the, yeah. I forgot about the new Pulses album. Right. Um, dude, speak less. Yeah bangers all around um you know the songs are like i i mentioned that the songs are like pretty short which is interesting that they took that direction but you know it's sick it really helps my add for sure yeah i liked it it was a cool it was a very cool album it was very different um from like a lot of other stuff coming out right now um Kind of need to give it, I think, a deeper listen for sure, but all around solid. And I, it's really, and I mean, like we talked about, like them doing this shorter song choice when we interviewed them last week. It's good. Yeah, it's it's, it's real good. I get they're the whole ADD the thing per- to it. Yeah, right. I would say like they're definitely like, putting the. Damn, we're talking at the same time. My yeah, bad. no, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, they're definitely like with the shorter strong structures. I feel like it gives them like more opportunity to like explore different sounds within a given time period and like it's just like what they were saying last week like like they weren't swan core they're like they want to be progressive post-hardcore and i feel like this album definitely speaks heavily not less to that like kind of like aesthetic you know what i mean oh yeah they definitely made that statement because i i know that like the uh speaking to existence was kind of deemed a swan core sounding album because you have a good amount of of like heaviness but you also have like really dancey poppy choruses or or you know like like a good blend of both and i feel like on this one they really got rid of um a lot of that that poppy danciness like it's more of like a straight up heavy record 
I vibe with it, dude. Like, I definitely enjoy that what they're putting out. And like, they were on the show last week. They're awesome guys. Like, really good people. Good heads on their shoulders. Like, they're very. Oh yeah. They got a lot of knowledge and stuff. It was just. It was. It was fun picking their brain and having Sergio on this week. It's like back to back. Like, just good. Good brains on the show, man. We got a lot of wrinkly brains on the show, and it's good to have. Um, I, I can do my uh, recent. Oh yeah. All can I go? You mind if I go? Cause my phone. Yeah, dude. Go for it. All yeah, right. go for it. All right. Wrinkly brains. Oh, I guess the AFI dropped some stuff. I, did they drop it this week or the week before? Oh yeah, that's true. No, they they did drop uh, two new songs this weekend too. Which they, it's really they're really interesting because it's like they sound like they sh- would be old, but they don't sound like old AFI. Kind of remind me like the Cure, I guess. But yeah, I'm looking forward to what they end up putting out. Um, I don't know if y'all do y'all know Chair. Yes. Oh my God, I forgot to mention that. Dude, yeah, that that, that, EP, that project. Yeah, it, that EP was great. Honestly, that, that's probably one of my favorite things to come out recently. It's so good. Did you notice that that um, there's a song? Uh, what was the name of it? Um, Stonks. Stonks. Stonks is basically um, post almond clarity. Like it takes like that the root part of the song, like. Uh, just kind of like the little poppy background noise, and it's basically the same song, but just almost like a remixed version. No, I didn't, but I'm gonna definitely check that out. But yeah, dude, yeah, I, I listen to them. I've been listening to that album. And I listened to their stuff from before, and it's like, uh, it, uh, Johnny Frank is just a genius, honestly. In fact, yeah, he, yeah, we definitely need to get him on at some point. But um. I mean, it's it's like it's like a whole different direction too, because it's like before they were kind of like this folk indie pop thing. Now it's just like straight up indie pop for this EP. Um, after that, what else we got? Oh, um, I was listening to uh, the Mark, Tom, and Travis show. If y'all, which is. Blink 182's live album, which I had on CD for the longest time, and I don't know where it went, but like that—that's a really good live album, and it's really—it's hilarious too, because it's you know Blink 182. It's kind of like a shame they never put out another live album, but like it's definitely worth listening to. Isn't that like? Uh, isn't it like a manufactured live album too? It's like not really live. They just. Cre- oh, it sounds pretty live. live no, 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 it was live. They yeah, they I recorded think it was it. Live. They recorded it at a show um, in 1999. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly what show it was, but I believe it was in, during the Pop Disaster tour. With uh, no, it might have been before the Pop Disaster tour. But they had to be headlining though, because it was like that's a pretty yeah, long yeah, set. No, they no, had. It, it was a head. It was a headlining show, which makes me think it was a Pop Disaster. No, that would have been that wouldn't have been ninety nine. That was like two thousand, I believe. No, uh, it came so it like came out in ninety nine. I'm pretty sure, or actually maybe it came no, out. No, it came out in two thousand, November seventh, two thousand. Yeah, the album came out in two thousand, but the songs were recorded in nineteen ninety nine. So it wasn't a pop disaster tour, but dude, that album was so epic. Like I used to have the um like the banter in between songs like memorized. The oh yeah, uh, I was supposed to. I'm supposed to end this episode with. Uh, I got a boner. You can, you can beat your. Tra- you can beat the traffic. You can beat your meat. 
because <laughs> I was talking with someone skippy? on Twitter about it. Hey, hey guys, I actually uh, have to cut it short on my end. Um, so I'll, I'll catch you guys next week. All right. All right, All right later, man. guys. Uh, I, Wait, before you, go, Moses, if, before you go, Moses, did you leave? He's gone. I haven't left oh. gone. Okay, what do you He's think about Matchbook gone. Romance? <laughs> uh, dude, they were great. I caught them in the 2004... Um, the yeah the 2004 Warp Tour and I like Stories and Alibis album. Yeah, great better album. Than, better than the the one that followed after, but they were a great yeah. band. Oh, and well, if was, you haven't listened to Hollywood and Vine, which was from their uh, split EP with uh, Motion City soundtrack, go back and listen to that because that was a banger. All right, check Not that out. Not a fan out. of Monsters. No, Monsters was great, and you know they took it to a new direction. But give me some post-hardcore with pop punk hooks, and I'm happy. And that—that's what they did. Yeah, that—that's what they did in Stories and Alibis. Yeah, because I guess that was my next one. Was Stories and Alibis was the next album I listened to a lot of this week, and it's—it was one of my favorites from when I was growing up because it was kind of like me leaving like Green Day and like Blink One Eighty Two and like going somewhere else. For sure. So it kind of means a lot to me. It was a good one. I'm going to go, but it's going right. to stop recording, so you might have to oh, keep shit. recording it. Or it might keep Actually, I, it'll keep recording. I remember it, because... Yeah, it'll be fine. All right, later, guys. Later. Peace. Peace out. Boom. Yeah. Do you want to go, David, next? Or... Wait, I got some more things to talk about. Oh, no, go ahead. Work. I was just asking yeah, if you wanted to go next All right. before you hit record. Or if you already All right, after that, went deep into uh, the fall of Troy this week. Um, listened to a lot of Ray Shrummerd, some Mozart, and um, there's this guy on YouTube called named Alex Melton. And I didn't realize, and he does covers of songs. He does like he'll do like a pop punk cover, like a rap or a country song, or do like a country cover, like a rap or pop punk song or something like that. And I've always kind of felt like pop punk and country are like way closer than people think. But I didn't realize his music was on Spotify till this week, and so I've been listening to a lot of that. Um, He has this whole album where he covers um, Post Malone songs, and like his his cover, like Congratulations, is like probably one of my favorite covers of all time sure. and that's it for me or actually oh yeah of course john coltrane because me and ryan were talking about john coltrane a week or two ago nice yeah the the changes right oh yeah dude like those uh jazz progressive chord changes dude like you know those giant steps man it's it's a oh, rite yeah. of passage to a rite of you passage know. exactly you got to be able to improvise over those uh, notes, man. I don't know. I have a, I like that day that we had that conversation. I was like practicing it on guitar and like when I was playing, it just kind of like, like I'm not the greatest guitar player in the world. I'll never claim to be. I'll never say like, I'm like, I, if I was, I'd be recording and playing my own guitar in my band. I'd be doing shit with guitar, but like learning that, like, song like just was like it kind of like was one of those moments that people get like as they're developing artists where like your brain kind of opens up and like shit starts making sense a little bit you know what i mean 
Yeah, yeah. Because it's just like, it tells you all the key notes, like where all the notes are. I was like, oh, so that's what that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it it was definitely fun to like, definitely join on that little jazz fusion fucking fun times that day. Did you play it at full speed, though? Fuck no. I can't go no <laughs> 90 BPM. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it was like two chords a measure at like, what, 120 or something like that. I I would have to uh, definitely I didn't develop. I try to play it live, or try to play it, so. That'll be our homework. We'll have to do that. Become better musicians. Then we can get the demo team, bo- the band cast going. Yeah, we'll get... Um... David is scat over it. <laughs> we could just cover Scatman, oh, yeah. dude. That song's dope. Scatman. <laughs> but um, did you have anything else to go over? No, I'm, I'm done. I'm trying to think if I can make it or not to the end of this episode. <laughs> if you just drop out, man, you drop out. It's all fine. You can just be the call response guy is david still here um yeah i think so yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna drop out it might stop recording i don't know but it's gonna stop recording <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably. okay well you figure it out oh god <laughs> <laughs> i know if you see that red dot i see the red dot the podcast has been taken over by the the two cooler sometimes quiet members of the demo team podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, if anything, I got, Moses actually did give me some cool tracks earlier this week. You know, after, I just went to the beach and like, you know, Moses gave me those like cool tracks to listen to, like pretty, it was actually pretty like, you know, peaceful, chill stuff to listen to. You know, I was asking like, you know, stuff to listen to when you're angry. And I was like, you know, those, yeah, you know, you should check them out. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, oh, wait. I'm sorry. Let me, <laughs> let me. That's all right. For sure. What, what was the band name again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tur- Let's see. We got Turnover, Supernatural. Then we have uh, SZA, Good Days. And yeah, I, I, you know, I definitely recommend either of those tracks. Really nice. good stuff. Um, what is it? Let's I have This Love by Lilac Kings. It's like, you know, some alternative stuff. I don't know if you've heard of that. It came out this year, or not this year. Yeah, I've, uh, we before all this pandemic stuff was going to happen, we had an offer to play. Uh, they still had a show, offer to play a show with Lilac Kings when they uh, were going to release their album. But pandemic kicked in, so that kind of all just went up in smoke, you know? Ah, shoot, man. Fuck. It sucks, but hey, that band's dope as fuck, dude. You're on that good shit right there. I think, shoot, yeah, yeah I'll check out more later. And if anything, uh, I think you mentioned with sales ahead. Oh yeah, dude. There, uh, that was uh, like I, I believe we mentioned them on the podcast before, definitely. But pulses last week, they're that's their homeboys. You know, that's like their homies. Yeah, shoot, uh, I got the song Synapse Fires by them, and you know they, they you know. Uh, with Apple Music, like, you know, I, I'll pick a song, and then, like, uh, you know, any random song could play after, like, you know, even something I don't have added. And, like, a lot of it's been, like, with sales ahead sometimes. And it's like, hey, okay, you know, this band's cool. You know, so uh, definitely check out with sales ahead. Uh, you know, I thought you said it was uh, your friend was, like, working with bands like that. or 
I can't. Remember. I believe Anthony uh, Anthony Pacheco. He works with a lot of bands like that. Yeah. I don't think I said maybe. I don't know. There's so much going on in the music like world. Or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought you said your editor for Scene Daddy like worked with them or something. Oh yeah, I'm sure they've gone through them for dude. We've worked with so many people for like the articles and stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm I like I see like so many articles every day. I I don't doubt for a second that there's a with sales ahead article on Scene Daddy. I, I'm probably saying that and watch there not be one there right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, shoot. And uh, I even like showed my friend some protest a hero. Um, oh, nice. Damn, I don't. I don't think I have the song I showed him per se. But oh, wait, oh, I'm trying to think. But it was super dope. I was like, yo, I don't even think I heard this one yet. But as I have added here, like I have like Gift Horse and the Dueling Cavalier. It's like you know, but you know, ever since like a you know the vocalist of protest hero featured on that fall of troy track you know i was like okay shoot you know you know i gotta check out this band more you know it's got some bangers pretty good sound going from you know absolutely i know what you were talking about with that sales ahead thing that's Taylor, our, our good friend from least uh she wrote an article for uh with sales ahead and they did some stuff for uh new fury media that's what Taylor's a good fan we love you Taylor. thank you Thank you for listening and always being supportive. Oh, was she the vocalist for that? Or uh, no, the Taylor's the vocalist at least. Uh, I believe uh, Sierra is the vocalist of With Sales Ahead. She's featured on a Pulses track. Ah, okay, sweet. That's awesome. We got the, we're connecting the dots here on the demo team podcast. You got the two coolest members of the demo <laughs> team right here, just chilling with you on this fine Sunday evening. But but you're probably listening to this on some other day. Um, <laughs> but you were listening to uh, Protest the Hero. Uh, did you figure out the song or? Ah, uh, man. Nah. Uh, yeah. No. I, I just told my friend look up Protest the Hero, and they, we just like picked a random song. Like, That's I, I just all the recommendation, though. You just tell someone to go listen to Protest the Hero. I'm sure they're going to find something, some, some bangers, bro. Exactly. Yeah, I'll have to fit, find it later. It was like a, one of the first like songs on an album, or first or last. I, you know. But uh, yeah, if anything, I was wondering, well, shoot, what do you got for recent listens, Ryan? Um, well, a lot of dispute came out with some live album stuff. So that's, I thought that was pretty cool. Studio sessions, like I was checking that out. Like I, I love a lot of dispute, man. Like they could fucking cry into a, a megaphone box i'd listen but at like cash and them i checked out the new afi that stuff's pretty cool like i have people that always try to tell me like man afi doesn't sound like afi anymore but it's like dude afi has sounded like everything so far like they they started off as like a skate punk band like they were like ogs like in the punk scene and then they kind of like innovated like that modern mall core sound like in the early 2000s with like sing the sorrow and stuff so it's cool that they're making stuff with Rise Records now, and I know we drag Rise, but they definitely got like some good heads on their shoulder to bring in some awesome talent. Um, uh, I checked out the new Of Mice and Men. That's pretty cool. I'm a big fan of Aaron Pauly. He's the bass player and singer of uh, Jamie's Elsewhere. So the fact that he's like juggling Of Mice and Men and Jamie's Elsewhere right now is pretty cool. Can't uh, give him any slack for that. Uh, Senses Fail finally released their lovely little love letter to Rush Limbaugh fucking song called Lush Limbaugh and it's just like hey if you want to like clown some dude that like was kind of a bigot in life and 
release a song like the day he died, like, hey man, that's that's pretty punk rock, dude. You can't knock somebody for that. Um, dude. <laughs> I don't know much about that. I, I know I just heard like the name like mentioned mm-hmm. literally like somewhere on YouTube, but like I don't yeah. you know what's that about? I don't know. Um, basically, like Rush Limbaugh has been this like right wing like activist. He's been on radio and he's mm-hmm. always kind of like he's like super right, bro. Like he's oh, all for okay. uh, he's like he's all for like uh, taking away abortion and stuff like that. You know, like clowning and talking down to like trans community lgbtq you know all that kind of stuff like Uh it's just like this dude is like he's obviously been like a piece of shit in his life and he like he passed away from cancer this year and it's like yeah you know that sucks like cancer sucks of course but like this dude spent like entire life kind of just being like a shit heel so i mean it's pretty punk like post-hardcore itself is rooted in punk and i mean old punk music like there's songs like telling people like hang the queen and shit like all the way back in the 70s and like yeah. the uk so it's like it's pretty punk rock man like you can't knock a band that's rooted in punk rock for being punk rock yeah no that's kind of yeah I, I i get that it's kind of cool yeah i mean and if the dude's like a sh- piece of shit it's like obviously like who cares like if people are offended like well oh well it's a song man Fuck it. Yeah, it, I know it's I know it's kind of dark, but no, I, uh, I you know I've had some peers from high school like you know they were like shitty people, but then uh, you find out they went drunk driving and they're not here with us anymore, and it's like oh well they weren't very pleasant anyway. But anyway, you know <laughs> <laughs> you managed to make it darker, David. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. But other but, than that, Anthony Green came out with a new song called "Bedtime Song," which is like you know it's very very positive upbeat a little more of on the acoustic side it's pretty cool i recommend everybody support anthony green because that man has a family he needs to help feed him so definitely help the homie out stream that shit go buy a copy of it on his band camp do it it's anthony green man this is the dude that like started off in sales and this is the guy in circus of eye. i mean like come on now other than that um <laughs> The Chain Gang of 1974 has a new song out. I'm a big fan of Chain Gang 19, of 1974. Uh, I don't know. You've played Grand Theft Auto Five, right, David? Oh, yeah, dude, for sure. Funny. Uh, that's basically how I know about this band, because they have that track, uh, Sleepwalking, which was used in like a bunch of the advertisements and stuff. And it's a pretty dope band, to be honest. Like, like Grand Theft Auto like, is known for picking bangers for albums and like on the radio stations and stuff. So definitely check out the Chain Gang of 1974. Like Grand Theft Auto isn't wrong, man. When they pick a good band to be on the radio, but other than that, uh, Sad Boy Sam, Sad Boy Sam has a brand new song out called uh, Three of Diamonds." In little uh, parentheses, it says Gemini. I definitely recommend that. I would uh, recommend any Sad Boy Sam song at any time. Uh, the Spill Canvas. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Spill Canvas, David, but if you're looking for a band that's just like real witty and snappy and catchy with like just kind of like the uh, indie acoustic rock vibes, like definitely check out the Spill Canvas, dude. Like those dudes kill it every time. And I mean, other than that, like I could just go through like shit I've listened to on my likes and stuff, but I was kind of given a chance to like shout out those new releases, let everybody know that there's some good ass music out there. And like, especially right now in 2021 with the way music industry is the way artists are, it's like support the music, man. Like 
right now is a very important time for fans of music to like definitely support it and i cannot recommend that enough like every day like if you're not streaming or like watching their shit on youtube like you know like tweet something uh, leave a comment recommend it to a family friend or cousin relative you know like show but so so show somebody that new marionette track or <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no dude yeah i was it's a it's a bummer and i actually showed my friend some pulses you know mm-hmm. I, like i said uh actually i went to the beach like twice this week and like the second time you know i was like hey let me put on some shine you know everybody's like yeah they're straight up beach prog bro you know so i put on like nehu by Chan, you know, you know, it's the vibe. And then uh, I put on like, I like juice by pulses, you know, stuff like that. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like, uh, you know, I Just can get him the vibe. Some... What's up? Did it hit the vibe? No, he didn't really react to it. That's the thing. That's like, it's like, you know, I can get him into some swan core. Like, you know, he's like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, DGD's cool. But like, I, he didn't like really react or vibe to it. I was like, okay, you know, whatever, you know. And it's like, see, that's what I mean, man. Like, you know, that's why I'm like, you know, that's why, like, I kind of have, like, my bias. I'm just like, you know, it's like, yeah, there's other music, but, like, I fuck with Swancore. Like, you know, I just feel like, you know, a lot of that, that's the initial reaction. Like, a lot of people don't really care if you do try to show them, you know, your your own cool taste. And they only seem yeah. to be about the, you know, the more popular mainstream stuff. So it's like, so it's like, you know, it, you know it's just, tur- you know, it turns you off and people are turned off from your shit, like, almost immediately, you know? And sometimes. Sometimes it's kind of like a, a time and place thing, you know? Sometimes people are, like, more receptive to, like, hearing that kind of music sometimes. And it's like, um, maybe you just caught them in the mood where they just wanted to hear some Chan. I mean, Chan and Pulses aren't exactly in the same, like, wheelhouse. But sometimes, like, you know, you can find somebody in a mood where, where like, that, that new aggressive Pulses is just going to hit that spot. It's going to marinate it in a nice cream, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, sorry, I did something. I muted my first for a second. Uh, but yeah, no, no, dude. I actually wrote down like you know a few of those last ones, like the the chain game seventy four, nineteen seventy four. You know, mm-hmm. sad boy Sam, all those. I wrote them down, man. Like I, I wasn't too inspired to like listen to new music this week, but like you know, mm-hmm. yeah, man. You know, I'll check these out. You know, get some new stuff running in the brain. You know, I you know I love being inspired by new works. You know, like new media. Like, yeah, just, like, send me stuff, yeah. dude, and, you know. Of course, man. I can benefit from it. <laughs> yeah, but I think that pretty much wraps it up here for us today on the Demo Team Podcast. I should have asked Sergio, like, why do they keep, like, trying to steal that dude's uh, trailer? It's like, I've seen over the years, like, how many people have tried to steal this dude's trailer out of his, like, his parents', like, fucking driveway. <laughs> Knock that shit off. Stop trying to steal this fool's trailer. Like, Didn't what the fuck is twice? wrong with people? <laughs> I think you posted it. I'm sure it's happened more. Yeah, it's it, it, like once is too much. And now it's like two, three. Like, stop it. No. Leave that man's trailer alone. For sure. But, we'll fight this, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll fight them. We'll teach them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> and that pretty much wraps it up here for, for us. This is uh, Ryan and David signing off for the Demo Team Podcast. Uh, podcast, not cash. My God. <laughs> right. Can't even sign off properly. But hey, you know what? That's what's up. You know what? That's what's up. That's what's good. Anyway. That's really good. <laughs> that's good. That's really good. Anyway, 
All right. Bye. Real peace out. <laughs>